Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.16. This podcast contains three hours of pungent analysis of the national championship game and an hour of weeping. Michigan's up 20 to 13, and they, the offense has done something for the first time in, a, in about a half, just like the Rose Bowl. This time they're up five, seven instead of down seven, which is excellent. I love that part. Um, and then the guy, they're at the 12, and the guy, uh, two seats over from me, starts saying, uh, Bring us home, Blake. And, uh, you know, I've been on the you know verge of tears uh, dozens and dozens of times uh, the past few days. But that's 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 the one that really sticks with me, you know, because that's exactly what he does. And uh, Spencer Hall tweeted out just before this, I had my money on a back-breaking Blake Corum touchdown in the fourth quarter, just like the Ohio State game, just like the Alabama game, not just like the Iowa game, but, you know, close enough, just like the Penn State game. And uh, I'm not going to put Blake Corum, you know, above the other Pantheon guys on this team, but... Uh, for Michigan to win a national championship on the back of a Blake Corum run, followed by a Mike Sane still interception, um, I mean, wow. Uh, my uh, traveling companion before the game was saying that, like, the narrative is this. Donovan Edwards is going to redeem himself for – I mean, it doesn't need to redeem himself, but he's going to, like, break out and have the game that everybody thought he was going to have earlier this season, and we're going to win the national championship. And – Blake Corum is going to do this, and, Mike, and it's all going to be perfect. And I was so nervous that I got mad at her. I was like, you have to stop saying that. Maybe we should hire her. That is, that is not how the world did, did, did works. Did she say Colson Lovin's going to pluck the ball out of the air? <laughs> she didn't and, say and, that part. And trample for like many yards okay. because this is what he does? All right, you're going to go back to Nostradamus and be like, hey, did you say Steve Jobs was going to found Apple? Mason Graham Close enough. is going to just chuck somebody out of the way. But and the, str- the point like, the point is that like I was like, this is not the way the world works. You know, because it's not. This is sports is specifically about. This is not scripted. This is not the WWE. Brian Danielson does not win the championship at WrestleMania because it is foreordained. Whatever happens, happens. And pretending, like not pretending, asserting that this is the way it's going to work out was just like it just didn't sit right with me because it. If that was the case, things would have been a lot different the past twenty years. <laughs> but it turns out she was completely right. <laughs> and, and everything that came before led to this perfect moment in this perfect season. And, you know, I wrote the post that I, I put up immediately after the game, before the game, because I had to. There was no way to, like, yeah. not do it. Couldn't do it after. Yeah. Um, oh, you had fingers working that at that yeah. moment? Well, in any case, like, 
And like as the game is progressing, I'm just I I, I really want to be able to put this one up because I wrote one in 2013 for the basketball team and I didn't mm-hmm. put that one up obviously. Um, <clears throat> and then in the comments, someone was like, "This was like the all time jinx." Someone replied to him, "Like no, not if he wrote the other one too," which I did not. Because <laughs> there wasn't going to be one. The recap was going to be the thing that goes up if they lost. Good job, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're just sitting there, and and it happened, and it happened in the way, such a way is that like nothing will ever top this. This is the best you will ever feel about sports, because not only is there this 20 year arc. Or Michigan is Michigan, and then you know Carr kind of tails off. They hire the wrong guy. They immediately sabotage him from within, and then Rodriguez continues to sabotage. It's a mutual sabotage. And then the worst AD in the history of America hires a guy who's not qualified and flames out. And then you get Harbaugh, and even that's not enough. And I remember there was this guy, uh, Michael Weinreb. Who had this cottage industry yeah. of like shopping the same article to every single publication in America about like, well, if it doesn't work with Harbaugh, it's never going to work. And at one point, while this is happening, I'm like, well, it didn't work with Harbaugh, it's never going to work. And for the two Ohio State games where Michigan is there and they lose, the JT was short game, and then the game where they, they win if they don't have John O'Corn at quarterback. I'm not trying to dump on John O'Corn. But that's just like a stone cold just fact. The tr- if Spate doesn't get his back broken right. against Purdue, like they win that game. The, the game plan was so great and it just wasn't executed. And to go from those two games, COVID's fake, whatever. Um, wait, no, to go from those two games to then the Don Brown evisceration games. Yeah, where they enter the 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 game, the number one defense in the country, and they give up sixty two points. Um, <clears throat> And the next year they give up 56, and then that's when Ryan Day says, oh, we're going to hang 100 on them. <laughs> and the COVID year, you know, in retrospect, that didn't mean anything. But when you're there as a Michigan fan, it felt like it meant it was a, a actual data. Yeah. And because it, it reinforces your priors, which are black pit of negative expectations. This is never going to work. Everything is terrible. Let's hire soup. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Matt Campbell. I, I, yeah, I, I put on a Lions hat and I was like, hire Harbaugh. I'm a Lions fan. Right. Listen to me. And like I, I said like stuff about how the mask that Harbaugh had <laughs> over his or under his like like Paul Chris had a better mask discipline than Harbaugh and that was why Michigan was never gonna win anything. We all said some stupid stuff in twenty twenty. And then JJ McCarthy tweets the best tweet of all time. There's no competition. Sorry, drill. Um, <clears throat> he's like, Michigan fans, just take a breath, meditate a little bit under the banyan tree. We got this. And by God, he was right. And I cannot conceive of feeling happier about sports than I do and than I have this whole year. I, college football has an ability like other sports don't. Because you're, That's true. your professional athletes are here because they got drafted or they got signed. They didn't choose to be there. And college football is just so big, right? Yeah. So for, for these guys, these guys you know, even if they're, you know, they're paid now or whatever, like, they still feel like yours. They, they chose to be here. And that's a, that's a validation of your fandom. Whenever someone cho- – that's why people love recruiting. They, they, they choose to be here. 
And the moment that these guys said, we're going to choose to be here and choose to make this program what we want it to be, I, I, I didn't realize I could be inspired by 18-year-olds. I thought that was kind of trite and silly. And Now, now. They're all 24 because it's a COVID year, six years. <laughs> right. There are 44 six-year players on this roster. How old was JJ when he said that? Though? Well, that's true. And Will Johnson when he was, you know, telling everybody that we're going to get every great recruit in the country when Michigan was coming off of this. Can I say something? I love that Will Johnson sounds like Mike Tyson. Oh yes, <laughs> it's amazing. It's perfect. No notes. Perfect. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth by Will Johnson. Yes. And, but anyway, like this, this team came together. On, like these players decided they wanted to make Michigan what they wanted it to be, and they all came back. Yeah, like Zinner came back, Keegan came back, Sainer still came back. Like, but that's the culture that's changed. Yes, and and Trent A. Jones came back. They recruited over him with two different guys, yep. and Trent A. Jones came back, and he started in this game and. <laughs> I looked up a lot of pro football focus stuff on the planes, and he's like a top ten guy in in the Power Five as a pass blocker this season. As a pass blocker, as a as a pass blocker, and I mean, I I'm if you happen to win this Mullings face off, Trente Jones is my guy. Okay, and hold on here, I had Trente as my guy two years ago on the preseason podcast. Uh-oh. All right, you might not. It's have, a, you might have no it's guys. A, it's a Texas what tornado freeway. <laughs> what what jersey are you coming in here? That with that, we're all going to have different jerseys on when we come in for in the any preview case, of this team. Anyway, yeah. Trent A. Jones was like, "All right, I'm going to start a tackle this year," and then it's like, "Okay, no, Miles Hinton and Ladarius Henderson are coming in." Anybody who is not 100 percent committed to this program is out of here, just because you got Barnhart too, right? And you know you're not starting anywhere on the interior. And that's like, I don't believe in you. And somehow Michigan communicated to Trent A. Jones that they did, in fact, believe in him. And they needed him. And when they needed him, he stepped up. And that's the program culture that wins you a national title. I mean, what he said first, before he became a tackle because because of injury, right? Because he lost Zinter. What he said is, I'm going to make myself the best Six O L tight end in the bonus. country. Yeah, and he yeah. was. And he was. And and we go and beat Penn State because guess what Michigan can do that no one else can do to Penn State? <laughs> they can put six linemen out there seven. and just run the ball. Seven. There was seven. seven. They can put seven linemen out there and just run all over them all day. And you're going to run out of defensive linemen before you run out of offensive linemen. Who well, wants to play this game? And, you know, I hearkened back to that on the second Donovan Edwards touchdown because that was just like, all right, we got all the gaps. Can you fit them? Right. Because – they didn't know what to do. No, so you, they, it's a bonus OL play with two tight ends out. And if, you know, if uh, Zinter hadn't gotten hurt, I guarantee you Roman Wilson is not on that field. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like a 0% chance that it's not seven OL and two tight ends, but, you, you know, needs must. And I was just like, nobody else in the country does this. And you see the Washington linebacker lose his mind. He's like, what sport is this? There are so many of them. <laughs> Well, but that's like that goes back to like when the first presentation you gave under Harbaugh was like that whole Stanford line thing against Virginia Tech. And, you know, ironically, like that's the thing that won us the national title. 
I mean, that's, I mean, isn't that, you know, like, and, and even you were kind of like, you know, well, you know, I, I trust in Harbaugh in terms of like his offense and he, he develops guys and all this stuff. I just am not sure, you know, after going through the Hoke years, like, do we need to start looking at more spread stuff? And you look at Ohio State and like even Saban's like trending in that direction. And like, that's where football is going to a large extent. Even the NFL is doing everyone, all the quarterbacks run, most of them. And like so so you get to that point and you're like well I like a lot of this but I'm just not sure if we're on the right side of history. Right like like you can be Stanford. Right. And you can be like all right we're going to bow up and we're Stanford and nobody prepares for us cuz we're Stanford. And we can go to an orange bowl and beat a pretty good Virginia Tech team right. and have a really great year. Can you win a national can you title beat with that? Alabama. Right. Can you beat Ohio State plural times? Can you beat Alabama when they have a month to prepare for you? And and I would also say that like that's why they beat Ohio State is because Ohio State is not bringing in guys to defend that. I mean, maybe Alabama is. Maybe Alabama just gets everybody and they can defend everything all the time. But no one's used to looking at that on film and saying, you know, all right, get the third nose tackle in here because, you know, these guys are going to run it at us. Right. And so even if you do come across that team, you're like, well, it's going to be one team and it's probably not going to be the best team. So we can kind of game plan and then outscore them and, you know, whatever. But you can't. And Michigan did that by beating increasingly harder opponents. And I know Washington was, you know, maybe not the best team that they faced all year, but like even their defense was pretty darn good. Well, I mean, they... They just didn't match up really well because Michigan puts everyone in a bad matchup unless you just have all of these front seven guys that are sort of, in some ways, some of them becoming obsolete. Okay, yeah. So we, during the Rich Rod era, became spread foolies, right? Like, we, yeah. we were... And we love the idea that instead of having to block everybody and win all these blocks, you can spread out the game, and then you only have to win a few blocks, Right. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is just stuck outside. You don't need fullbacks in this game anymore. Get them out of there. Put a slot receiver out there, and someone has to be out there, and you won your block. That was the concept that we started believing in. That was kind of a – that's the opposite of how this program likes to attack you. This program wants to say, we're going to win that block so so well that well, we're going to get a bigger advantage out of it. I mean, yes and no, because they – I mean, the Penn State game last year was – very much. Our quarterback can run the ball. Your right. Your run defense is now deleted. I'm not saying that's a bad way of <clears throat> well, playing no, but, football. But what I'm saying yeah. is that what is special about what Michigan is doing is that they can they have the ability to do all this stuff. Like they can put they can put Toby Gerhardt's offense out there and it works. They can spread you out and they can run the quarterback and that works too. They can go up against well Purdue, but they I mean if they want to throw for 350 yards they can't. They don't want to because it's like ah <laughs> this is well, fun but the sheer diversity of what michigan is doing on both sides of the ball is probably unmatched anywhere in the country and again this goes back to program culture because you have people sticking around so this is where i was going with it that the expectation of positivity is, is essential if you're going to play ball that way if you're going to say look we're going to learn new skills or we're going to you know, play man ball and try to push you off the ball. You have to say, I think my guys are able to do it. My guys are able. And playing not afraid became a program culture, like from the core, from JJ saying, don't worry, guys, we got this, to Harbaugh saying, okay, I'm going to put my faith in these young guys instead of just being this, you know, monster who never stops working. Going to Wisconsin and jumping around. Yeah. 
Yeah, we are. Waving the goddamn chairs around. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to expect positivity. And I'm going to take a quick personal victory lap. No, no victory laps. I'm taking a quick one. (laughs) Because if you read the last line of Halo Victors, what did I say? Uh, Probably something about how you should go to venue for all your uh, event needs. Congratulations, you've got the reading. (laughs) (laughs) What I said... What I said is I, I took Harbaugh's quote from 86, and I changed it to, we're, we're going to win a national. We're going to go 15-0. I guarantee it. Yeah. We're going to go to the Rose Bowl. We're going to win the national championship. We're going we're gonna to win it all, 15-0. I guarantee. Okay. And this goes back to the black pit of negative expectations that you mentioned earlier, that when you expect negative things, <clears throat> negative things will happen. When you expect positive things, they're not always going to happen. You open yourself up. You could get hurt. But this program said we expect positive things. Our JJ's going to throw downfield, and we're going to catch this ball. Zinter's going to block this guy, and he's going to move, even if he's a true freshman in 2020. So the thing that kind of you're saying uh, encapsulates is just another Harbaugh quote is in media day in 21, he's like, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. Everybody was like, all right, die trying. Yeah, and that's kind of – no, because, like, Aiden, I was at the Wisconsin game in 19 when they got wrecked, and I was in the press box and went down to the press conference, and you're just like, wow, I've been to a lot of these. And Hutchinson gets up there, and so he was, what, a, I believe a sophomore or sophomore eligibility or whatever, and he's like, you know, I came to Michigan for this stuff, and this isn't good enough, and, you know, I'm going to – you know, we're going we're gonna to win the Big Ten and we're going to beat, you know, whatever. And he was insinuating that. And I was like, wow, if I had a dollar for every guy who's told me that at one of these things. And then he went out and did it. And he stayed. Because I remember, like, he got hurt in that COVID season. Yeah, he did. And he was done for the year. And you could see him in anguish on the side of the And he could have gone to the draft. And he could have been drafted and all of that. But he didn't. And then, like, after he they, they win, he's on the field. And he's being mobbed by everybody but enjoying it. You know, a lot of players, and I don't blame them, are like, all right, you know, this is great and all, but I got to get out of here. He was wanting to interview. He was high-fiving everybody and jumping around, and he's like, I wanted to beat Ohio State. I could see that you wanted to beat Ohio State. Aren't you glad we all beat Ohio State? And, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, when you're talking about not just, like, speaking things into existence, but, like, being positive about it and setting goals and then not transferring and not running to the NFL and not being scared when things are hard or the challenges are too big, but sticking around and finishing what you started and accomplishing something. And, I mean, we're all old enough to know that, like, there's a lot of things in life that you just have to do that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, relationships are tough and jobs are tough and, like, things are hard in life. And you learn something when you stick around through those hard points and then you end up working way through it and accomplishing it. And that's a big deal. And that's what this team did. That's what these players came back for. That's the whole saying, those who stay will be champions. And I think it's beyond just winning and putting up more points than an opponent. It's about what you learn about life because like you can get things from this season in these last three, four, six years and take them with you for the rest of your life and teach that to your kids and your grandkids and all that stuff that you don't get to learn if you're just like, oh, it's hard. I'm going to do something else. Yeah, this, the story you were telling about uh, Hutchinson after the 21 Ohio State game reminds me of the aftermath of this game. So I was the last person in my section, um, and there was a lady who was like, hey, you got you to gotta get out of here. Um, and I'm I was, like, no. <laughs> well, there's, the guys were coming off the field, and I just, I just wanted to see like the last glimpse of quorum, the last glimpse of 
all the guys coming off the field, and the very last Michigan player to leave was Mike Sainer still. <laughs> and at this point, I'm, again, I'm like a little bit antsy. I'm like, Mike, you have to leave the field so I can see so I can feel so I can leave the yeah, field because I'm, like, I'm gonna get like, I'm gonna get kicked out here. Right? <laughs> like his dad's holding him up to like the I don't know who exactly. There was a section that was definitely like family of players, and so he's he, like he's holding Mike uh, Sainer still by his his legs, and so he can like talk to these people <laughs> he gets done with that and his dad looks really tired <laughs> he puts him down and then there's like a tv crew that's just like hey can we get an interview and he's like yeah sure and he's given an interview and i can't hear it of course but i know exactly what it is it's like a future u.s senator disclaims on michigan football because we've all heard him talk he's taking pictures of people and he's just you know i called blake corum perfect human and mike saner still is the same thing where it's just like i cannot imagine a better dude than mike saner still and who is this guy? He is a three-star wide receiver from New England. Massachusetts. Who uh, Don Brown was like, yeah, let's get this guy. Because he was the New England guy. And he was a, you know, he's a wide receiver here for three years. And not he was, a bad one. And he was the original Gaddis speed and space guy. Yeah. Yep. And then he switches to nickel, and it's just like the first year he's playing nickel at Michigan. He's replacing Dax Hill. <laughs> a five-star, like a, a guy who flipped to Alabama momentarily, and everybody's like, oh, well, that's the end of the program. And there's no drop-off at all. And this year, he's Iowa's third-leading receiver by yardage because he yeah. has six picks for <laughs> 242 receipt return yards. And, well, it's, it's I've been watching his career come full circle because the first time I remember him on the field, he might have played before this, but the first time I remember him is that rain game, rain game against Notre Dame. Yeah. In 2019, and he comes on late, and he starts dodging and weaving through everybody, and you're like, okay, now he's going down. Okay, he'll probably go down in this cut. Oh, no, he made one more. Wait a minute, this guy's not going down. And he scores, and he's just having the most fun in the world, and it's just like, that was it. That was the end of Notre Dame at that moment. Like, we're not going to yeah. play these guys for another 34 years. And like that was who he was. He was that slot receiver who was just so much fun, and you couldn't wait for this guy's career to unfold. And, like, how many slot receivers who seem like a lot of fun – Switch to the other side of the ball, and it's like, well, he was Jalen McMillan in a bunch of space on a critical third down, and it's like, oh, he's going to get away because he's a really good – oh, no, the wide receiver, the slot receiver has securely tackled him. <laughs> he's, got, he's got his arm around his there's, waist, and he's not there's, – There's no way the slot receiver could have better tackling form. <laughs> he's, the fun slot receiver. He's, he's got his arm around his waist, his legs are in the air, and he's pumping, and then they hit the ground, and they're still moving. You have to cut for a second. Chris Lowe, 67,000 followers, just tweeted twice that Nick Saban's retiring. Wow. Oh. He fucking <laughs> so- retired that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> first, tweet, Nick oh Sa- my God. first tweet, Nick Saban is retiring, sources tell ESPN. He won six titles at Nash- Alabama. Second tweet, Saban just informed the team he's retiring. Actually, we're keeping this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we retired Nick Saban, everybody. <laughs> In the middle of a podcast. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Not us. Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I Maybe yelled. Little bit. <laughs> I was at that Rose Bowl yelling. I had a part of it. Yeah, I had it a is, role. That's true. We all played our role in retiring Nick Saban. All right. Uh, let's pick up the thread of prophecy from where we left it off. Thank from, you, Alex. From Mike Sa- <laughs> for Mike Sainristel. Mike so, I mean, Nick Saban. We, I mean, I don't, we're going to harp on this because I think we're going to bring it up every time one of these guys comes up. Like, number guys. There are a number of players on this team where you see any future Michigan player wearing a number and they're going to be like, that's 
Mike Sainristel's number. That one's easy because it's zero. And nobody <laughs> no else got no one else it. Yeah. Darius Cl- uh, Clemens. Giles <laughs> Jackson. Yeah. But <laughs> had to watch that happen. Like, <laughs> like can you ma- that? I mean, who? wait, wait, wait. Who's nine? J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. And if it's on defense, honestly, at this point, probably Rod Moore. Like, who's 23? Dennis Franklin's also nine, though. I mean, there's a whole generation that's no, not you know, anymore. It's all about that guy. <laughs> not anymore. Like, went, 23 he... is Mike Barrett. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> sorry, Jordan. <laughs> For Michigan, it, it, I know what you, you mean. Know. It and, just and, was and too perfect. Fortunately, Chris Perry does not read MGO blogs, so we're safe. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I, I mean, I love Chris Perry. Yeah. Yeah. Finished like, fourth in the Heisman. I love Chris Perry, but like, for Mike Barrett to go from yeah. a dual threat quarterback who was going to go to go to Georgia Tech to a guy who didn't have a position here, he was going to be a viper. He was another viper, and to the viper a special teams exist. guy. Like that was his thing. He threw the pass to Dax Hill, and then I like in the middle of the 2021 season, it's like we don't have any linebackers. And I remember we were we were doing the UFRs, we were doing the podcast, and like you know, like maybe it's Mike Barrett's time. Yeah. And but whenever he came up, it was like, well, this guy is not an inside linebacker, so he doesn't ha- he doesn't know what he's doing. And for him to morph from that guy into again a guy who Pro Football Focus thinks is one of the best linebackers in the country, like a top five linebacker in America, like in the fourth segment, I think we're going to talk about how we got there, how we got here a little bit, how sustainable it is, and there's multiple reasons. But I think Mike Barrett is a really good example of. Michigan's ability to develop guys not just into good players but into great players in an extraordinarily complicated defense and an extraordinarily complicated offense. Their ability to teach is at a level that is difficult for me to imagine anyone else other than the recently retired by Michigan Nick Saban of accomplishing. So another guy, like you said, who, yeah, came to play a version of linebacker but also was – an offensive player in high school. And there was talk about, you know, oh, could he maybe be a running back? Could he be like the original Alex Orgy like type thing? And so to play both sides of the ball, to play special teams, to stick around. I mean, he's like sixth year. He was a yeah. crucial yeah. special teams player. He, right. Yeah. He's he, the he reason we fake. didn't lose the army. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, but yeah. He, he also had the, the snap um, yeah. that they, he gets the fake punt against Washington yeah, at their own 30. Snap, yeah. And then he also had the throwback in the Maryland game in 21 yeah. to, was it Edwards on the kick return? Or, or I don't remember no, who the it return was. No, it was to Dax Hill. Dax Hill, okay. But, it, but So he's like this fun story. It's like, oh, here's our special teams ace. Usually, like, these are the kinds of guys that, you know, they play on a, a national title team, like a six-man on a basketball rotation who's filled with, like, Anthony Davises, but he's been there for four years and fills in as, like, the glue guy. or Spike Albright. Or... Whatever. Well, he was like a freshman. I'm talking about like the guys who stick around and well, have been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. The same thing. Yeah. It's like they're a, fun, like a, they're a fun story. Right, right. But, but then when they go to play professionally, they're like, oh, you were on a national championship team and did some things. And okay, we'll give you a shot. And usually by the end of it, it's like, well, you're just not athletic enough. You can't or shoot well enough. Whatever. Sean Hunwick is a good example, too. Yeah, who was a great college goalie for Michigan. And then the NHL is like, I mean, you're, you're just not big enough. Sorry, right. man. And you played, I think, 20 minutes or something one year. But, like, now you're looking at both of these guys, and you're like, I mean, I know you guys have said this, and so I'm not doubting you. I just can't get over that sort of emotional block of, like, they're going to get drafted? Like, come on. I mean, they're, they're going to yeah. still. Like, Michael Mike- Barrett? No, no, no. 
I believe you, and I'm watching, and I get it. But like, you look at where they've come from, and you're like, oh, those are the guys that just play the cute parts, and that they're the fun stories. They're not going to go on and have the professional careers. But the best part about these two guys is, no, they turn themselves into legit NFL prospects who are probably going to have professional careers. And that's that's just other level stuff. This isn't a guy that is a contributor on a college team. This is a guy who stuck around for six years postponing his NFL career that he's going to have. Yeah, and uh, I saw Barrett's parents in the stands. They just, just I could see the backs of their jerseys. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the fun things about going to these things is you see like the families, and you're like, oh, there's the Loveland crew, and there were twelve of them. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> there were twelve of them because like Loveland like picked them out of the they crowd. They kept coming yeah. out. I was like, wow, and the got a cop lot of is here. stopping them. Yeah, and he's like, like no, 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 no. Too, family, <laughs> family, family, <laughs> family, family. <laughs> and then Dave's like, me too, and like, no, not you. <laughs> hey. You got can't can't. You have to have an Idaho accent. <laughs> I don't even should know have what, that, a, what that should have is. carried a potato. But anyway, back to Barrett's parents, and it's, so they're walking around on the field, and there's a couple of shots. I think maybe Alejandro got one of the shirt that Barrett's dad is is wearing, which is basically like I'm like I'm here to kick ass and <laughs> chew gum, and or, I don't know. So we're carrying the business is kicking ass and business is booming. Yeah. And he's got this big white beard, and I'm like, you are so Michael Barrett's dad. <laughs> oh, he- you are, you could not be more Michael Barrett's dad, and he's, he's a great Twitter by the way. He's a good yes, Twitter he follow. is. I yeah. follow him on yeah, and uh, uh, Mullings' dad is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So. But that's how you win a title without having you know five stars coming out the wazoo. Although I think they do have more five stars than they actually have. Well, because yeah. they identify those well, guys so better like, than anyone. Will Johnson. He's a five-star. Yeah. What did he do? He came on his back half of his freshman year, became a starter. He's a star as a sophomore. That's what you expect a five-star to do. Who else on this team fits that profile? Well, Mason J.J., Graham. another five-star. Yeah. Uh, Mason Graham yep. should have been a five-star. Kenneth Grant. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive tackle, so he gets a year of uh, grace. At this point, he plays like a five-star defensive tackle. Zach Zinner. Yeah. And I think you can make an argument for Rod Moore. Yeah, because yep. he yeah. Play, he started the Ohio State game as a true freshman, and it was fine. Yeah, and then as a true sophomore, he has two of the best pass breakups you're ever going to see against Ohio State. So Michigan's scouting has been incredible, and it, I think there's another guy too, Colson Loveland. Huh. Yeah. So I mean, he's like the guy everyone says next year is going to be Brock Bowers. I mean, I don't know if he will in, in the offense that. Reigns be I mean, seen, if, if, but if he has no Brock Bowers. He would be like everyone would be saying the Colston Loveland because right. he played as a freshman and he was incredible. And then right. I think you could say the same about Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. Like Blake Corum had the same sort of pattern, except the fact you know Hassan Askins was here, so he couldn't emerge. But you could tell he was the next one by the time he was a sophomore. And so you go into this game, and every Ari Wasserman out there is like, "Well, they don't have the stars <laughs> against Alabama." When it's like, no, mm-hmm. they do. Just look at the. Look at the paths of these guys' career. The recruiting industry screwed up. And, like, if you go re-rank Mason Graham's class, how many guys are in front of him? Yeah. I, I uh, mean, Michigan has been – Not many. Michigan started doing this, I think, after the 2017 class. I think it was the last, like, star chaser class that they had. And that's when you talk about recruiting, you know, going after a guy like Barron, going after Samer still. I think what they did is they probably looked at 
where are the holes in the recruiting industry? What do they miss? They miss late risers. There's Mason Graham. Yeah. Right? They miss guys in Massachusetts or Idaho. Obscure places. Obs- right. That don't right. play maybe against the best co- high school competition. Right. They miss athletes who you don't really know where to put them. Like Mike Barrett. Like who's going to be a quarterback at Georgia Well, I, I, think, I think Barrett is an example of the recruiting industry probably being correct. Because he was a three-star. Yeah. He's yeah. a dual-threat quarterback. You don't know where he's going to go. And in college, it takes him a long time to find his place in his fit. That seems like a reasonable person to rank as a three-star. Mason Graham, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would even argue that, you know, I you know, watch a lot of beelines, so it's hard to keep up. But it's almost better in a lot of ways than just getting the top X number of recruits. Because those guys, most of those guys are told and know all right, I got X number of days that I'm going to go play for this school, mm-hmm. and then as long as I don't suck, league, I'm out. And, you know, Ohio State does that. And they have a lot of su- success doing that. I mean, they've won a lot of football games, yeah. and they've put a lot of players in the league. But that's sort of the difference is you don't generally get the fourth and fifth year guys coming back. I mean, they have some, but, I mean, that's what Michigan is sort of built on. And so then you get the kind of chip on the shoulder of these guys and the sort of well, we have, I have to prove myself. I'm not being anointed as a top 10 pick. I mean, you know, it's nice when you have Will Johnson, who probably will be. But when you have, when you identify talent like that, you see it. And, you know, they maybe believe it, but they have to come out and show it. And then they probably have to repetitively show it, which is only going to make everyone better. Yeah. And also, in terms of program culture, you know, you pull a five star out of Florida or something. It's like, oh, this is a really great player. And then he is a really great player. And who does he think made him a great player? His parents. <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. Himself. Yeah. yeah. You, you get some of these other guys like Mike Barrett. I, I, like Mike Barrett. Like all these guys want to run through a wall for Ben Herbert. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, remember uh, Sam told us last year that DJ Turner was not particularly high rated as a recruit because he had consistent health issues with his hamstring. Mm-hmm. And Ben Herbert fixed him. Hmm. And that, then he ran like a four two at the at the combine. Yeah, I remember being pick. blown away. By yeah, <laughs> and and so if you can do that, then the balance of like how I got here tips more in favor of the program, and I think that helps the culture. And in this day and age, you do need some level of nil, but also when you know and can just show someone a long list of names and then tape of saying, I got the literal or we got the literal most we could get out of player A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And just the list just goes on and on. Yeah, there's going to be some people that chase things for other reasons. And there's going to be people that want to go other places for their own emotional reasons or grew up watching them. And that's, that's understandable and that's fine. It's good for college football. But if you want to get the most out of who you are, I got the staff for you. And – Look at what they did in the portal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that is another thing that Michigan just crushed this year. Because not only did they pick up guys who are five stars who weren't actually five stars, but now with the portal era, if you're smart, you can go find guys who fell through the cracks to a coastal Carolina, and you can pick up a Josiah Stewart. And that's another guy who immediately popped as soon as he got to college, was clearly misranked. Michigan adds him to their infinitely deep uh, line arsenal. He starts off slow, and by the end of the year, he's like a top 10 defensive end in the country to pro football focus. <laughs> yeah. And he played like it. And 
He's he held them. He's the reason they held them to three points on their first drive. Well, so you have Stewart, who's like a, a riser and a guy who's like going to give you some real upside. You have Josh Wallace, who succeeded. We've already talked about mm-hmm. him. Succeeded by even. Like nobody, like Josh Wallace, did not think this was going to happen. I guarantee you, that Josh Wallace did not. I don't know. Did not go into the season. Have you and think, met a football player? Did not go into the season and think I'm going to be Michigan's highest graded defensive back. I don't think he thought that. Uh, you have the well, two- that I'll, that I'll give you. He might not have been like, yeah, I'm out play Will Johnson. Ladarius Henderson, who's a guard, but Michigan pushes into the tackle position when Miles Hinton is a year away. You have Miles Hinton, who was extremely important in the. Uh, Penn State game and a couple other games, too. He played on Monday. Yeah, and just a guy who was willing to play his role and played it very well. And they went after captains. <laughs> they didn't go after five stars who were washing out from Georgia and Alabama. You know, they only wanted guys who had already proved it on the field. They only wanted guys who they thought fit their, fit their program culture. And they picked up seven guys, all of whom – were extremely important as Michigan won a national title. And I just, I just, it blows me away. Well, and like, you know, Dabo at Clemson started saying that years ago when they started getting better. And you'd get guys that were clearly going to be, I mean, Christian Wilkins comes to mind who's doing well with the Dolphins now. He's like, no, I'm going to come back for my senior year and I'm going to win national title. And like, that doesn't happen at, you know, you get your smattering of players, but it just doesn't happen at programs. And Clemson did a wa- good job for a while of doing that. And, you know, Michigan has really done that to an extreme level because I don't even think Michigan was recruiting at Clemson levels. Well, but the, and then Clemson isn't taking anyone from the portal. Like for Michigan to be able to marry the scouting that they have, the development they have and then judiciously pick guys up from the portal, I mean that's how you get this roster. And that's why <laughs> there's that Ohio State guy who's always like they got 44 seniors, they're going to fall off the cliff and like dude, half those guys are walk-ons. Half those guys still have eligibility left. Have you looked at like Who's coming back right. next yeah. year? I mean, we're not going to talk about that because they're bigger well, fish to fry. But like, I quoted him, and I'm like, this guy is going to be really mad <laughs> <laughs> when he sees Michigan's offensive line, and it's like sixth year senior, senior senior, fifth year senior, sixth year senior next year, and then he blocked me. <laughs> so, well, he'll be mad later. But I mean, you look at this program, and they keep guys around. They got old, they stayed old, and they have this core of sophomores who are amazing. The number of guys who literally cannot go to the draft this year, God bless that rule, is <laughs> <laughs> like Colston Loveland, both defensive tackles. I know that's not yeah. the point, but that's sort of the rule that kind of saves college football. Because basketball over time has sort of eroded a little bit with yeah. that. And so you just sort of have to reload all the time. And while it's fun to have those jumpy athletic types, you're just learning new names. And I want to caution that because right, right now the, there, you can transfer without even, you know, you, there, there's even a one-time transfer rule right now. Not right now. And with NIL and teams don't really care about going and talking to your players. Like I think there's going to be a lot of sophomore transfers just for money. Coming up, you mean year. in college football or in on college this football, team? I think that's. I don't know. I'm sure people are calling Michigan. I'm sure people are calling these sophomores on Michigan's national championship team and saying, "Hey, come fix my giant hole at defensive tackle." No, that's not going to happen. Well, there, there, there is going to be some of that, but that's why you can't rely on. Hey, we're just a school that develops people for the pros, and you're like, "Hey, want to learn how to be a good football player and a good dude and have some fun along the way?" I think we have to play the game, and I think we can play it as well as anybody, and I think we can do the other things better than the other teams, and that's what they've been so afraid well, that's, of. And, and when you when you marry that— Wait, like, 
Speaking of good dudes who like to have fun. <laughs> we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMissionGapparel.com or check out our selection research on the MGoBlogStore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, The Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Widewind Organic, Signal Wire, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, The Autograph Rewarding Fans App, and Venue by 4M, where we are right now. That was the best ad read probably ever. And also, no, do not forget... Do no, not no. For, wait. Do not forget the "Those Who Stay" campaign, which is working to keep our players from getting poached. It's even topical. Uh, we will have their links on the site uh, until they reach their one million dollar funding goal. They posted that they are halfway to their ten million dollar goal overall, and the crowdfunding portion is just a small portion of it. So the uh, work is getting done in that department, and they are doing it. So keep an eye on that. All right. I, that, that's a good lead into something I wanted to say. Okay. The fans. Good. Michigan fans showed up at the Rose Bowl better than the Alabama fans. That's understandable. The Alabama fans have been there before. Michigan fans showed up at the national championship better than the Washington fans. That's understandable. We had a little bit more expectation of winning than they did. But Michigan fans have just been all over this. And you go back to the history of this program, everyone always has underestimated how seriously these nerds at Michigan take football. <laughs> well, yeah, and also the I mean, non-nerds. That's why we have jobs. <laughs> For the three of you uh, listening to this podcast who are not nerds, thank you. I appreciate your patronage. You're welcome. Nice. Well, <laughs> you, got, you have like your own itemized collection of Legos and bags from 20 years ago. I do. I, I kind of think that qualifies you. Oh, I'm definitely a nerd. There you go. I'm just more of a sports nerd. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. I think we have talked enough about the big picture that it is now time to talk about the offense and the defense. Okay? All right. Let's take a break and do that. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is 
and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24-7 emergency service and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, call or text us at 734-238-3698 or book an appointment at SharonsHeating.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. The offense, not today. Uh oh, we did that during the Hoke era. <laughs> <laughs> not today. We are not talking about the offense first because my God, those people on the defensive side of the ball, fifty throws for for Mike Penix, five yards in attempt, made him look like Kattenhauser. I could not believe what I was seeing. Every time Romo Dunze got matched up with anyone other than Will Johnson, I was like. Here it comes. It never came. It almost came. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did, and then it went backwards. But. And I am astounded at the ability to go from the Rose Bowl performance, where you're rushing Jalen Milrow, and everybody is in their lanes on all but three snaps, and they absolutely crush that pass protection by blitzing a lot. They go off script for what they've done most of the year. They blitz the slot a ton, and they're impeccable at it, mm-hmm. to go to this performance against a totally different offense 
where you're rushing four most of the time, you're playing coverage, you're playing your Ohio State defense, and to be able to do this, the sorts of things that they were able to do against one of the elite offenses in America to hold them to 13 points, which is really more like four net points because they have two interceptions. Right, and they need a fourth down touchdown. To right, like, which we'll, yeah. we'll talk about. The number one defense in the country, according to SP+, the second best defense of this millennium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you can say any more about Jesse Minter. If you can say any more about any of the players on this on this defense, if you can say anything more about the depth. Oh, crap. I had one more program thing I forgot. Do you know who got a snap in this game? Matt Hibner. Yes, yes he did. Yes, he, he was did. like the a real snap. He was out there. He was out there in the first early. quarter. Yeah. Everybody eats. And in this game where, where Washington was throwing 50 times, Michigan was swapping out their defensive line like it was a line change in hockey. <laughs> and I don't think it's a coincidence that in the fourth quarter, Michael Penix is getting pressure like he did not see against Texas, like he did not yeah. see against Oregon, like he did not see at any point in this year. And if you look at the PFF pass protection grades for the Joe Moore award-winning line that gave up 11 sacks all year, they got their asses handed to them. Inside. Everywhere. <laughs> Well, and yeah, Jalen Harrell was getting around with. Do you remember how often I was like, okay, Jalen Harrell's never going to do it? Yeah. He was. This he was is the all American right tackle. He's going on, he's spinning him in circles. And then, you know, Kenneth Grant. Oh, man. Just <laughs> runs the just guy over. Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> yeah. and then, whoever the setter is. Well, what my thought at that moment was it was that Cam good, and then you notice how fast he gets there. And I'm like, nope, that's not, definitely not good. But, that's Grant. There's, there's another snap where Cam good just like yeah. pops up. Just splits two guys, and you're like, you were a UCF transfer who got like ten snaps a game last year, and now we're forced into like using you because because Benny's out of this game, and like that guy who also graded out as like a top twenty defensive tackle this year. How is that possible? So you you made the Minter comment, and like he had a quote because they said this on the broadcast when I was rewatching. Alex probably caught it the first time, but. Where he said something early on, or Herb Street was quoting him and said, "You know, we don't need to get sacks; we just need to pressure him and move him." And they, I mean, they got a sack, maybe maybe two. I can't remember if they got a two. I think it, I mean, Grant had the one. Yeah. But like, they moved him a lot, and they scared the crap out of that offensive line. And mm-hmm. at the end of the game, like I, I going through that third and fourth quarter, Penix is just like breaking. Yeah, and he's like that grabbing, quarter was <laughs> yeah. just grabbing his ribs and. <laughs> I mean, he had an ankle and a rib, and like at the end of the game, I don't know if you guys can see. Like, we can see it from like our, our angle. Uh, he's going to the tunnel, like he, like you know, I'm, I'm not going to stick around for Michigan. And Jalen Harrell yes, runs down the tunnel, runs down the tunnel, and like grabs him yeah, and like the... you know holds him up for a minute and like pats him on the back and just shakes like, his hand. Yeah, if that isn't this program, Brian. Yeah, I don't know. It's he chases a, him halfway to the locker room. A lot of they, jolly like, good fellows. Yeah. Knew each other growing up because they're both from the Tampa area. So I didn't know if there was like a personal connection maybe, there. Yeah. Or, Ma- or maybe, what it was. but it was I a. I don't care. He went down the. T- but, but Jalen Harrell, who just spent the like, he's the reason that he's he's in that shape right well, there. Well, he's 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 one of what? Yes, eight one, different reasons. Okay, and I <laughs> yes yes uh, in in general, but. People look at C.J. Stroud now and they're like, this is the greatest gift to the NFL quarterback in, in history. And he looked like a human against Michigan. Twice. I, I mean, he looked 
he still like he still threw looked, a lot of yeah, yards. He like, still threw a lot of yards. Performance against Penix in this game outstrips anything Michigan did to Stroud. Sure, like they well, yeah. they made him look pedestrian. Sure, but I want to point out that Washington going into this game was like, oh crap, we just we're facing the guys who obsessed about C.J. Stroud for three years. Even this year, we were like, uh oh, what happens if Cal McCord turns into C.J. Stroud? Then and Michigan's defense. Going in, this was the analysis of this game. This is what Alex was saying in the game, too. Like, this is not the team that Washington wants to face. Yeah. No, that's what – I mean, when anyone was asking about do you want to face Washington or Texas, the answer was always Washington. Mm-hmm. And it's no disrespect to Washington. It's just that Michigan has built its program about, around defending Washington, basically. Yeah. Because they've had to because they've watched what Ohio State has done, yeah. and they're like, this is what we have to do. I mean, my initial takeaway was Rosengarten, the right tackle, just got cooked, like, and all night did long. You ex- because like, you couldn't expect that to happen. Not really. I mean, the left tackle, I thought, held up better, and unsurprisingly, he's the one that's actually on draft boards. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that was the thing that I thought, when people were talking about the 2021 Ohio State comparisons, is, like, if that Ohio State team had two tackles that started every game for an NFL team in their rookie year. And I just didn't think there was that level of NFL talent on the offensive line for Washington, and it really showed. Like, their one guy that has interest held up okay, and everyone else just got massacred. Well, but And it also shows how little edge talent there was on Oregon and Texas and all these teams. I mean, that that yeah. is true, but also Michigan is getting pressure directly up the gut so much. Like, cause every yeah, sing- those guards got whipped, too, which was my expectation. I thought the tackle, right tackle would, held up, you know, would hold up okay, but he got cooked and the guards just got massacred. But when you got 10 guys that you can pass rush from any different angle because well, you I mean, go that's too the, deep yeah. that's the and thing. you blitz how many different linebackers. Like, but I mean, every- it's just and, – and they blitz Mikey half the time. I mean, it literally could come from anywhere, and it's not a different – guy it's the same level of player that comes there and you're like well we prefer if we do this we can at least force them to blitz like this and, and pick up this guy no they're all the same yeah so like washington's pass rush is basically one guy mm-hmm. yeah and it was not very effective in this game because michigan's like oh you got one guy michigan every single one of their hockey line <laughs> defensive line rotation has a 10 percent plus win rate and several of them are close to 20 that is Crazy. Does that even include the linebackers? No. I mean, and Mike Barrett was like a 90 in terms of pass rush. And that's bore out in UFR as well. Just Yeah. Well, like just a, and there were a couple plays in this game where they did actually blitz Barrett. And it's just like, here he comes. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy trying to pick him up. And yeah. one of the things that really stood out is they left in Westover mm-hmm. for, I think, almost 40 snaps. He had almost 40 pass protection snaps. So this isn't a five-man protection like Alabama was running. This is a full-on six, sometimes seven-man protection, and Michigan is still getting the Penix against a team that gave up 11 sacks all year, against a 340-year-old quarterback who has all the ability to move around in the pocket in the world. A superlative defensive performance from everybody, but the ability to get pressure with four is the difference in this game. And. I mean, that's what NFL teams do nowadays. They rotate guys and they have fresh. That's because they're alignment. NFL teams. Right. You don't get to do that. No, you don't. Well, because you, well, you, know, you don't. Well, I mean, there was, that, there was that athletic article from earlier in the year where there was some coach who played Michigan who was like, so what's, what's playing Michigan? I was like, well, get ready to play an NFL team. And, well, they had a coach who was pretty successful in the NFL, and they get coordinators and assistant coaches directly from an NFL team. Well, so, and then the other, the other rotation thing is that Quentin Johnson doesn't play in this game. He he's didn't. A, he's questionable on the injury report. Okay. He's probably just not available. But it seemed like on every single play they were pulling a safety out and putting 
one of the other three guys in. And then on the first drive, Keon Sab has a hideous missed tackle. Yeah. And we don't know this is the way the game's going to go yet. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't know that Washington is going to score four net points. I felt like that was like, oh, my God. That was our opportunity to get this. This is the stop. Yeah. That was like, <laughs> we're never going to get this team off the field now. Well, yeah. Washington was going to go there. That, but what yeah, but it was at the 50 or 35 or the 50. Yeah. I, that's yeah. not – what I'm saying is that, you know, it's a huge missed tackle from a guy who we haven't really seen perform a ton this year. I mean, he's been out there, but we haven't seen like, oh, there's Keon said If Mikey play. misses that play or Will Johnson or Rod Moore, it's a little different than Keon said. And I'm like, why is Keon Sab out there? That's <laughs> what I spent the first half doing. Keon Sab is like, this is, this why, is why I'm out yeah. here. Because <laughs> he, he has a couple of pass breakups, one of them against Adunze. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. crucial. I'm like, I'm like, I'm the Shaq meme all of a sudden. I'm like, I did not know that was your game. I apologize. Yeah. We, I mean, I was sitting next to somebody, a couple of my really good friends, and, and we were just like, ah, oh, Keon Sav, Keon Sav. Because he has two plays on the first drive. You're like, eh. I don't know. After that. I don't think the screen's really on him. Yeah. I think it's just RPS. But no, it, no, no, I thought no, it was. He, he kind of got pushed on the tackle, like a oh, run yeah. play. But after that, you're like, oh, oh, nice play, Sav. Okay, nice play. And then by the fourth one, we're just looking at each other like, Keon Sab, like, what year is he? Always a believer. Oh, also yeah. a sophomore. Yeah, also a sophomore. Also Those a five-star. Just beautiful PBUs, like closing yeah. on the ball at like the perfect time. Because I'm like, where's Makari Page? And then you're like, oh, I guess we got Keon but, Sab. But like, Makari Page has one of the plays of the game, and Dewar highlighted this one mm-hmm. in his low-hanging fruit, where it's the Penix run. No, what it was a. It was a goal to go carry. We're at the five, and he's got an offensive lineman coming to him, and he just ducks, ducks under him, him. Yeah. yeah, and takes him out. And like we talked about the defensive line, if Johnson is healthy for this game, he's probably rotating in and intercepting passes and stuff. Like they have, they have a two deep at safety, mm-hmm. where it's like all these guys can play, and they have Hausman at linebacker, so they got three guys at linebacker. They don't have a whole lot of depth at corner, but other than that. They had two defenses that could have been top 10 in the country. And I think that that in part is as well as the fact that we played so many Big Ten teams that just went in waving the white flag. But like the defensive line and the edges that never really got the respect nationally or in the conference they deserved was the curse of the rotation. Like yeah. It was not till this that people realized that all of these players would start you know, Stewart, McGregor, Harrell, all those guys, they would all start at, like, almost every team in the country except for a few. Oh. And they just didn't get enough snaps. They played 25, 30 snaps a game. They'd come out of the game by the fourth quarter, and so they didn't get that respect until now. Yeah, I was the way I was charting these guys, like, the charting this year has just been insane because, like, Mason Graham is beginning, like, plus 12 in 20 snaps or right. something. And, like, when you – if you call that a full game, that's Brandon Graham level. That is just like you cannot block this guy. I'm not necessarily Aiden Hutchinson, but like one of the best all yeah. time. Okay, and and that guy is coming off the field, so another guy can come on the field, and he ends up with like a plus eight. And like sweep. halfway through the season, I'm like all right, well they're going to tighten up the rotation now, right? They're going to tighten it up. So yeah. so I think that I mean part of that is like you know, we talk about them being fresh for the whole game, right? And then being able to get that pass rush or you know stay with guys late. But the other thing is, like, when you're planning as a program to play 15 games and not 12 games or 13 games, guys are going to get hurt. Rayshon Benny's going to get hurt, yeah. right? Or Zach Sinner's going to get hurt or whomever. And so, you know, Michigan was lucky that they, you know, 
didn't have to play a lot of the fourth quarters of most of the first two-plus months of the season. But when you're planning on playing that many snaps and quick turnarounds and guys just wear down, we're watching the NFL, guys are getting hurt everywhere. You see backups all over the place. So you're like, well, we got to have two-and-a-half lines on defensive line at linebacker running backs we got to be able to share the load around here because we got to win 15 games and we're planning on doing that yeah i mean i've i've always asserted that you really need two starters at each defensive tackle spot yeah and michigan's like bet (laughs) (laughs) we'll just do the whole defense (laughs) bro all right yeah well i mean what program has a guy like Derek moore and isn't featuring him he doesn't start Braden mcgregor starting above Derek moore and Derek moore is like on this path to being an All-American next year. Well, yeah, and he's one of the guys who, like, is not that far away from being a five-star. Yeah. Hey, like, just another sophomore. Another St. Francis 4.5 star, just like Coram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little moment of reflection there for everybody. Yeah. But this was, like, everything they did the whole year, they'd never put a foot wrong. Like, there was the occasional bust. Yeah, that happens. But, like, every single player they played – Every single guy they developed, every single thing they installed was, I mean. And, like, when we were talking about the depth, you have to teach that to not just, like, five or ten guys, but to, like, 20 guys on one side of the ball. And they got to run every single coverage under the sun and communicate with each other. And you see that. Yeah. Like, when you watch games, they're all, like, doing the fist pump, and then they're all doing, the like, the, well, the wrist taps, and then they're all doing this, and there's, like, eight of them at the same time, and it's, like, one of those, like, flash mobs and Washington, where, where and, they all just pop up with the same signals. And Washington is a lot like Michigan, where they're going to line up, and then they're going to motion you around. They're mm-hmm. going to motion guy. And I was, I was incredibly nervous watching all this happening, because I know what Washington's offense looks like against everybody else. Yeah. And I'm like, they are going to eviscerate us, because we're going to screw something up, and it's just going to be contested catch time. And it never happened. And one of the things that really stood out to me is they barely tried. Like, you know, Odunze's 21-27 this year on contested catches. Yeah. And he was 21-27 entering this game. They did not just huck it up and let their guys go get it. And I think that's because Michigan was able to bottle up the ground game. And there were safeties over the top. And Penix was like, that looks like an interception to me. So yeah. there are a couple things that we should at least talk about. One is Penix definitely missed wide open Adunze for what would have been a touchdown. Yes, race. that yeah. was and that looked he, like a bust on Moore. I think it's Moore. It's hard to it's hard to know because that Samer still and Moore are supposed to communicate on that one and well, that was Will I got Johnson. A uh, there was Johnson one had Samer's, to take the other yeah. receiver. The uh, the yeah. other one was he met, he had Culp down the seam walking into the end zone when he checked down. And so maybe that was a little bit of pressure. Yeah, or he definitely got pressure. But Penix they, but, was just out of rhythm. Like, well, and so he didn't get the chance to really get a groove going. Going into this game, I forget his name. He works for the Athletic. He was profiling Penix as a draft prospect. That was Deontay Lee, isn't that his yes, name? Yes, Deontay Lee. Very good. Thank you. It's good to get the names out there. And his article was like, yeah, Penix has all these skills, but if you make him move around and you money the pocket – he kind of falls apart a little bit, which we didn't see against Texas because he was getting a certain type of pressure every mm-hmm. once in a while, and he's able to climb in the pocket or move around and then fling it. But Michigan was able to get enough pressure that he just couldn't get his feet set consistently. He didn't feel comfortable, and that really got to him. And that was not, at first glance, a reason that he overflew, overthrew Odunze on the fourth down that should have been a touchdown because he didn't get pressure yeah. on that one. But just what Michigan was doing to him 
you know, Devin Gardner is, of course, the most extreme version of this because he just got his head beat in for, <laughs> yeah. for so long. But when quarterbacks are uncomfortable in the pocket, most of them, their game declines severely. Yeah, I, that was the thing. I, I don't want to knock the athletic writer. He's, he's right about that. It's, it's a good observation about Penix, but like, that's true for almost every single quarterback who's well, ever lived. But there are guys who... Yeah, Tom Brady and Joe Montana. <laughs> no, no, like well, Patrick Mahomes, J.J. McCarthy. All right, but yeah, yeah. Pre, yeah, pre-game when I was looking at the PFF pressure versus kept clean numbers, J.J. is like 70-something kept clean, 60% under pressure, and Penix was like 75% kept clean and 45% under pressure. And his yards yeah. per attempt was stayed high. Yeah. So he was, And I think what that is is like, all right, well, I'm getting some pressure. Let's huck it up to Odunze or, or Polk because Polk is also mm-hmm. bringing sixty percent of his contested catches and see what they can do. And they got McMillan back in this one too, and he's yeah. he looked like a player as well. So you guys building these people up, I, I want to ask this question because I noticed this last night, and I'm not sure if like if you like anticipated this, but on their first drive, they get down to the ten yard line, they have first and goal, they run it twice. Yeah. So well, they, they take the ball out of the maybe the best quarterback in the country's hands. They run up the middle and get kind of stuff, maybe bounces, I can't remember. Then they run a like a an end around and they get a few yards and now it's third I thought and both of those were killed by Michigan's edges. It, and yeah. I thought that was a story cuz Washington loves to run off tackle to get away from, you know, their issues inside. And I thought Michigan's edges were just phenomenal and sure, crushing. But those but if players. you have if you have like these great contested catch guys, and maybe the best cornerback, it's, or cor- one of the best, better cornerbacks. Do you are you uh, so surprised that they so ran the ball? If you're if you're throwing from the fifth the forty five yard line, you have all that space. You have one cornerback involved, and there's nobody else who can really. Well, bother your I mean, Odunze is a guy who has had a share of red zone fades this year, and they've all worked, but they didn't try him. Yeah. Well, I think they were just avoiding Will Johnson. Like, I, I mean, right, but they have other guys. I'm not even just talking about why didn't you throw a fade. I'm saying, don't you feel more comfortable trying to score a touchdown with the ball in Penix's hands than in your running? Those, those it's runs, in those the runs to the sideline outside the tackle have been their bread and butter this year. I they mean, and they really have well. all those wide receiver screens, a number of which were extremely effective. Yep. Yeah. But even on those, like Michigan did some work. Um, I got in a little bit of a tiff with Jeff Schwartz. On Twitter, uh, because he was like, "Oh, this should have been a touchdown for for Washington," but you know, Michigan gets lucky because Jalen Harrell trips up the the wide receiver, and I'm like, "One, that's Jalen Harrell." Yeah, Jalen Harrell doesn't do anything on accident. <laughs> Two, that's not a guy tripping up a receiver. That's Jalen Harrell putting his shoulder into the midsection of Jalen McMillan. Yeah, as Michigan runs a five man pressure up the gut, that's his assignment. Yeah, because Michigan, I mean, that that screen is to an empty side. And so you've got one cornerback going over there. And, yeah, if Michigan blitzes, they're dead unless they have a plan. Yeah. And Michigan had a plan. And that's until until Michigan was up 27 to 13 and they hit that long pass to Odunze, which was like, like what are we doing moment? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how? why now? What? Well, that was the miscommunication yeah. between yeah. Sane Rastill and yeah. Will Johnson. Yeah. And, but they hit. Nothing deep. They had barely any attempts to hit something deep, and I think that's one: um, Penix being uncomfortable pocket, and two: Penix being uncomfortable at the coverage he's seeing. He doesn't know; he's not clear yeah. that any of his guys are not double covered on any particular snap. And there's always those guys after you play a game 
who are like, oh, look at all these open receivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's and that's the the third down after the two runs that we talked about is like, you know, Herbshire is breaking this down on the broadcast of where they have this kind of guy that's coming over on a cross and but the and he thinks he's getting man, so he walks up the line, changes stuff, and the slot receiver comes across and Rod Moore is just waiting for him. And he, I mean, that's where Pennix yeah. wanted to go. Had to check off and that second guy was covered and he threw it over his head. And that's and those coverages, this is what the Ravens do to everybody who comes into the NFL. Whenever the Ravens face a, like a rookie quarterback, bet. Because that, that's the system that they run. The idea is you don't know who's going to be. The safety could be on the other side. Now, it's hard to run that, and it takes communication, and sometimes you can bust that communication. I thought Washington did a fair job of actually finding those you know, things that made it hard for Michigan to communicate those things. God, I was so stressed watching them formation everything. Oh, yeah. DeBoer, Washington's going to be in a good spot as long as he's around. Unless Alabama hires him this week. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it, Kalen. You won't be happy. you got to go to Piggly Wiggly. It's no good. Wouldn't you rather have him out of the Big Ten? No. I I mean, like, to beat the man, you got to be the man, you got to beat the man, you know? We're the man. Anyway. There you go. So, back to the the Twitter guys. Oh, this guy's (laughs) great. Is it a coincidence... That you can be like, oh, this guy's open after the Alabama game, after the Ohio State game, after the Washington game. Penn State, okay, might be coincidence. The rest <laughs> of those games, you're talking about some of the best passing attacks in America. Like Jalen Miller, I know he's sort of limited, but that's a, that's a guy who I think they were fifth in passer efficiency entering Michigan, the Michigan game. And he's young. He's going to get there. What I'm saying is that, yeah, there are open guys. But they're not the guys that the quarterback expected to be open before the snap. Yeah. And so he's reading, and his first snap is like, oh, that's that's not good. And maybe his second one is. And then it's like you got no. eight guys with 10% rush rates. You don't have time to get to number three. Yeah. yeah it's it's read one, read two, Mason Graham. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Mason Graham is read three. Yeah. And he's literally in your face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the uh, the other one, the, the long pass that they completed that got called back for a hold. And you go and like, what happens in that play? Mason Graham is doubled and like just barrel rolls through two guys, and they have to grab him because otherwise your quarterback is going to die. And you saw that again on the PI as well, where the the offsetting, the, the offsetting yeah. one. Um, so I mean, that one was Mason Graham. The other one's McGregor. And when you look at the fourth down, you know, with the, where they had the offsetting penalties, right? Yeah. And, and Will Johnson gets lost and. Fine, you committed perhaps interference down there, but you know Mason Graham, you barreling through two guys, he's doubled on that play, mm. and he shoves one guy out of the way. He's coming, and you have to hold him because otherwise your quarterback is dead. Yeah, and he's been doing that all year and all game, game after game, and you're just like, this guy is is he unblockable? I mean, like <laughs> we're just getting to. That. I'm not saying that he didn't. You know, he had his moments where he got shoved down the line or whatever. That's happened to, to defensive tackle, especially when they're doubled. But like. I don't know, man. Did he, he just, get trapped on the line? I there there he... was one time. It was um, Penix got away up the middle because both the DTs split, and him and Grant kind of got too far apart. And Graham dove and got his foot, but didn't quite get him. And yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> we'll take it. Yes, yeah. this true <laughs> sophomore was the number four defensive tackle in America. But that's what I mean. It's going to happen. It's hard to play a football game and that not to happen once. And but the fact that we have to like scrounge to try to find an example, yeah, should tell you everything. And the linebacker core, Hausman missed a tackle. I don't think anybody else missed a tackle all game. From well, the well, yeah, Sam, yeah, the, li- the, yeah, the linebackers, the linebackers. Yeah. Well, and 
Junior Colson, who's playing with two clubs, is <laughs> mad at himself for not intercepting it. Yeah. Well, and he did. And <laughs> well, he saw the Will Johnson interception. He's like, well, if he can do that, maybe I can do this one. <laughs> but I, but I mean, his tackling. I wanted to go back. We were talking about the first drive where they get to the ten yard line and they run the ball. So the first, the the, the first one, I think they have a speak because Michigan's slanting. Inside, mm-hmm. Michigan's trying to go after an inside run, and they go outside, which should have been the scouting port. But Stewart gets like a little bit face masked and like uses that to like spring out there, and he doesn't make the tackle. Mm-hmm. But he actually, but he does affect the running back and slows him up enough. And then Colson, and this is what Colson does, flies out there like Superman, just lays out mm-hmm. and takes him down. And every yard counts down there. And that's, I mean, that's like that. That guy is another one I did not grade very well last year. And he's just come a very long way, very slowly, so it's hard to well, notice. He's, I mean, he's one of those guys who starts as a freshman. And so it's inevitable that confirmation bias seeps into what you're doing. And it takes a little, a minute before you're like, is this guy good? It's a John Runyon. Yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. like, I, he had that Notre Dame game, and I'm like, it's over. The season's over. And then every UFR after that was like, well, Runyon did okay. Yeah, Runyon did pretty good. Is John Runyon good? Is John Runyon an all-Big Ten player? Is John Runyon John Runyon Sr.? <laughs> I mean, the Packers think so. They moved him to guard because he's not probably yeah. big enough to be tackled, but like, but, playing on a playoff team. But sometimes when you're grading, your feelings seep in and, and you kind of lag. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're trying to be objective, but like sometimes you know the point's got to go somewhere and you're like, I don't really know here, but so I don't think this guy's very good, so I'm going to give him. Dang. <laughs> and... You know, then you got to go back and kind of reevaluate how you were grading after maybe some things looked a little different. Like I, uh, uh, this year, I dinged Donovan Edwards for doing some stuff, and then they kept running the play, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a counter! Whoopsie doopsie!" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm not criticizing your grading of Colson. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, sometimes a guy is progressing and you're not seeing it yet. Oh yeah, and. Colson really, I mean, his issues were always more coverage than tackling. Tackling has always been there. There was a coverage issue in this one. Yeah. So the the fourth down touchdown, uh, right before the end of the half, that's a seven man protection. Yeah. And both guys are bracketed. All three guys are bracketed, and then Colson Green Dogs, and I'm just like, ah, no. uh, and it's second of the season, he chucks it right over and, his head. And same because like I'm looking at this pre snap, and Saint still has outside leverage, and I'm like, oh, click clearly, he expects help. It's the it's the Egbuka touchdown from yeah. last year's Ohio State game. Oh, yeah. Again, where, like, there was a holding on that on one of the guys that they were doubling anyway. So it was probably not material. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. that was which, one which of the Which Penix managed to call in the middle of the play. Yeah, he, yes. like, points out and then <laughs> throws a touchdown. He's, he's also playing referee. And it's a good call. He's <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like <laughs> It's one thing to see it as a quarterback and be like, oh, okay, I have a free play. Like, it's another thing to like, be like, oh, the there it is. And also throw a touchdown. Because he did it with his opposite hand. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you, is there an argument that Josh Wallace outplayed Will Johnson in this particular game? It's hard because Johnson had different responsibilities. Well, Johnson had an insane interception at the mo- yeah. at such yep. an incredible moment. Right. Yeah. Where it's like you know they score a touchdown right before the half. They're going to middle eight us. He also yeah. had the holding call that didn't matter. He had the DPI call that didn't matter. He got out of position on one play where. I thought he overpursued on an out and gave up about eight yards or something afterwards. Yeah, I didn't see anything like that from Wallace. I mean, the, the I think the only ding I had mentally from Wallace is like 
their first pass when he was just playing 12 yards. But he was off. deep. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, and, and, all, and he came up and hit him and shoved him out of bounds. I mean, yeah. that's all you're expecting in I that mean, situation. So Michigan is clearly trying to match Odunze and Will Johnson together. Mm-hmm. And there are a dozen, maybe 15 snaps in this game where Washington success, successfully formations Michigan into putting Josh Wallace on Odunze. And every single one of those, I'm like, all right, here comes the Reaper. Yeah. It never happened. And I know Michigan is shading safeties and whatnot. Sure. But they didn't even try it. Like, was there a throw at Odunze where Josh Wallace wasn't coverage? I cannot remember what. No, there was one I remember where they they did a whole bunch of motions. And they get Josh Wallace, I think it's the second quarter, they get Josh Wallace matched on Odunze, and, and then Michigan's in a Michigan's coming down. So he's actually impressed. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, I remember that snap. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and, like, the safety's not even shaded to that yeah. side of the field. I, and I'm like, dude. Here it comes. Here it comes. And they I, and he looked over there, and he didn't throw it there. He just went went somewhere else with Oh, it. my God. That's just. But, yeah, every Michigan fan who's watched pre-snap motion was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I was like, I felt it felt like Saquon Barkley against uh, Mike McRae. Mike McRae. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we didn't talk about Will Johnson's one insane tackle, right? Or yeah, super important tackle in the flat. In the mm-hmm. flat. Yeah. Oh my god! With no safety help. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that uh, was... DJ Turner on Quentin Johnson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly the play I thought of as that was developing. I was like. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, he had one of those, and then Mikey had one of those in space, I think, on a third down. That one was not going to be a touchdown if he missed it. It was going to be a conversion. Well, yeah. yeah. It was also very important. Yep. Yeah. And that goes back to your point about, like, this defense tackles. I mean, everybody on the defense tackles. Yeah. Like, how many times did you cry out, tackle him this year? So, Alex, didn't you? Like, that's, like, the thing that people at football games yell the most is, like, tackle him. Yeah. You and I were talking about it because we watched – well, we both, I think, were in different places, but we watched some of that Notre Dame and Navy game to start the year, and Notre Dame looked really, really good. Navy obviously not that good. And and we were talking about it, and you were saying, you know, one of the marks of – well, Notre Dame had struggled tackling Navy. And they were then this right spot, but they missed a bunch of tackles. And so we were talking about it, and Alex goes, you know, I, I didn't think they tackled well. And I was like, yeah, they probably didn't. It's early, and it was a wet field. And he goes, yeah, but, you know, didn't you say something like, to me, one of the marks of a good defensive coordinator is, does your team tackle well? That's I've always just used that as a bit of a litmus test for a well-coached defense, I feel like, because you can have bad players or untalented players, but you can teach them to tackle. Like that's just a fundamental. You can teach guys to tackle. When they have a shot to do it, just tackle. And generally speaking, it's worked for the most part. The great defenses, they all tackle really well. And defensive coordinators that we don't think are that great, like that's a hallmark. I mean, that was one of the reasons that I was very uh, panicked about how confident I was going into this game because I just did not respect Washington's defense at all because like, part of it was they couldn't tackle at all. No. And and that and that for me is like one of the biggest red flags. And then when you see a defense that tackles really well, I mean Alabama always tackle well. Georgia tackles well. Like great defense, well coached defenses tackle well. And this one was uh, close to number one nationally in that regard. And yep. Washington, they have the like fewest a, like missed tackles or broken something tackles. Like that. Something and like then that. Washington was a hundred and fourth. So that was like our 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 usual game day. Uh, pattern here got a little messed up because I posted the preview first and then you posted the FFFFFFFs. Um, 
but together so, they are F F F F. So I was I was I was like flying a little blind there, but that was like one thing. I was like, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with that? Yeah, well, I, there are there are offensive players. Can't I, since we're playing, talk about our defense. There are offensive players. Kim Tackle, Mikey Sanger still. Oh my God! So well, did you want him to fall down on that play? God no. Not what are you talking point. about? They were up two scores, right? They were up two scores already. Yeah. Consolidating yeah. possession there is the biggest thing. I want Mikey Sainer still <laughs> to score a 92-yard interception return. Okay, I'm watching on TV. I don't know what the block Did anyone else? I have... just wanted him to catch the ball and go down. That was all I saw. Did so. anyone else have one idiot in their section who yells, knock it down? <laughs> no. We had no. we did not have that. We had one, and they were lucky not to have been thrown off the six hundred. I was level. For, I was fortunate enough to be in the first row of the club section, so there wasn't oh. like at at the Rose Bowl. There were all these like uh, Southern California casuals in front of me who were just like, "What's the what is a false start?" And I was like, "Why are you here? This was so expensive." Because <laughs> they got free tickets. This is how bowl games. I, work. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, the, what was happening there, but yeah, it was yeah. Merciful. No, there was one person, and they were immediately murdered. Good, uh, but the uh, I mean, you know, Alex, I go back. I go to the let that be a lesson. <laughs> you don't you don't want to get MGO murdered. No MGO yeah. murders. It just reminded me of the first play with Samer still back in that Notre Dame game, where he's just weaving back and forth and weaving back and forth, and like, well, how our, fun is this guy? Our guy has a, a knack for returning interceptions. He had six interceptions. That is like full on honey badger stuff. He forced two fumbles against Iowa. Like, how did a, a sl- I, I'm just going to talk about this until I die? How did a slot receiver turn into a honey badger? That's well, insane. Because he was a DB in high school, and, and he was recruited by Virginia Tech to go play DB. And then well, that was still at the time when Virginia Tech was producing NFL DB after NFL DB. So. And this is what I said all eight times I wrote his hello post, because he was oh, committed eight for times. eight months. And every time he visited or a coach visited him or something like that, there'd be like rumors on the message boards that it's time to commit. And I'd like rewrite the article. Well, so I know a lot about Everett, Massachusetts. There you Thank go. You. All right. Same still. Does anybody have things to get off their chest about the best defense since 1997? Um, Not about the defense, but Washington Falls started a lot. For them, it's important because they weren't really threatening down the field much because they couldn't protect the quarterbacks. Every time they're getting backed up more and more, like the threat of them converting a third and 19 just – it didn't feel very high to me. Even though they were a big play offense. It was just like every time they've attempted these – Penix doesn't even look that way. Which is super weird because if there's a team that you would be yeah. like, oh, they can convert a third and 19, it would be Washington. And then, like, in this game, I was like, yeah, that's, right. That's not – did you not read his full film? <laughs> because they're a screen-to-run yep, team. They are, but they take shots sometimes. Yeah, but they and... take shots because you think you come up because you're getting They take a ton of death. shots. They led the, they led the, uh, they led the country in 20-yard passes this yes, year. Yes, but – when you're third and 19, it's not the same as throwing 19 yards downfield on second and five. Well, yeah, but yeah. also it was like it would be second and 19, and you'd be like, oh, ball game. Yeah, it's <laughs> right over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it was I, – I have never – the results of a game I have been watching have never diverged more in terms of fear and results than this one because – Were you – you weren't confident going in? Well, I, it's not that I wasn't confident. I thought this was a very good defense, but – I just didn't know what would happen if they played Michael frickin' Penix with Romo Dunze. Because, like, Ohio State, Kyle McCord is pretty good. Marvin Harrison Jr. is really good. So do you think the combination of those two pairs, like Penix or Dunze, worries you more than McCord yeah, Harrison? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, this was his, McCord's first year as a starter. Sure. 
Like that's going to be a situation where, yeah, I think Jesse Minner is going to be able to do some things and confuse him a lot. And I was I was just concerned that Mike Penix would just see through everything and be like dropping dimes, especially after the Texas game, where it felt like didn't matter what you did. It wasn't part of that like the back half of the Texas defense was. Yeah, but also Michael Penix was doing things that nobody in the world is defending. You could have a seven-foot robot Richard Sherman, and he's like, whoops, bad. No. That's my bad. I think isn't part of the lesson there that when a goalie in a playoff series has a 980 in one round, he's not likely to do it again yeah. in the next. Yeah, I mean, the kind of performance you put up against Texas if your Penix is like a once-in-a-career kind of thing because it's a once-in-a-career kind of thing for anybody. Texas is a lot more of like a Don Brown style, right? They have talented players. They're going to man you up. So if you have Roma Dunze and you have man coverage and you see that pre-snap and you know that that guy's out there and you know where your leverage is, you dodge the you, – you, you're paying attention to where the pressure's coming from. You see out of the corner of your eye that you've got a Dunze out there and then you throw it. With Michigan, you cannot get that comfort. Sure. That's a good point. All right. Do we have yeah, – have I, we I've, gotten it all out there? No? You got no, one more? I got one more. Because DeBoer made a great had, – had one great drive at the end of the first half where they just, you know, screened us all the way down the field. With yeah, their tight end. A, they had a couple great screens on that. Drive. Yeah. Yeah. I was – I hated their screen game. I they, loved it. They yeah. designed those better than anybody else. They block them better than anybody else. Uh, the, the one where they had a guard pull opposite. So Cam Good follows the guard because he's like, oh, I'm going to stop them from power. Mm-hmm. And that just – Runs him right out, and that was the one that, like, you know, say I've got pushed around. But, like, the reason why there's no defensive tackle following after that thing is because they pulled the guard the opposite direction. Yeah, there were a couple on which Colson was just like, where do I where do I go? Yeah. Like, he carried the tight end 20 yards down the seam on a screen, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, DeBoer had that one scripted up well. It matched what Michigan was doing because Michigan was, you know, playing their Ohio State defense yeah. against him, and – you know, they, yeah, I was surprised that we didn't really see a whole lot of him going in his bag. Yeah. Because, like, he's the guy who's like, all right, it's fourth and one. Let's do an RPO end around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. In the game, I yeah. was like, all right, well, where's, where's, the, where's the sneaky stuff? And I guess the screens do kind of qualify, but that's not quite in the, in the realm of yeah. all the trick plays that they were running the season. I mean, they had that, that the quarterback run on the, on the other goal line, I thought, looked kind of surprising. Like, I was not expecting that. And I mean, Michigan shut down some things that, I think on review were a little bit more confusing if, you know, you look at the play design. What was interesting is that against Texas, who is, you know, the two of the best defense tackles in the country, they were running power read a lot or mm-hmm. inverted veer. Like they ran it four or five times, and Penix kept a couple times, and they didn't bring it out in this game. And I was kind of like, I'm a little worried about that. I, maybe that has something to do with Dylan Johnson not being fully healthy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was pretty clear early that you weren't going to get the full – yeah, Johnson experience. And then and he, he got stepped on. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. first point. Or, or he got <laughs> yeah. s- he get sat, sat on. Like sat by Mason on, yeah, Graham. Mason Graham. Just like sat well, on. And yeah. that, that kind of goes back to Michigan's everybody eats thing, right? Because yeah. if Michigan has a player go out, it's like, all right, well, let's put in Trente. Yeah. Like, when Johnson went out, their backup guys had, I think, a total of like 40 carries this year. Well, maybe it was 41 and 37, but they were all in garbage time. It didn't really feel like well, they One of them, them. made Sab miss. Well, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, I feel like if they'd spread the love out a little bit more, but they didn't have that well, option because they were in games for one of them the also year. dropped that to drop down. the pass yeah. to Nixon yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I also I don't think we can finish this segment without saying the words Chris Jenkins because I don't think we even said him yet. And no, and he like, he made an incredible play on one of those screens 
where yeah. he was mm-hmm. able to get outside of he just climbed right around a guy cutting him off who had position on him and I mean that's Chris Jenkins to me is like you can have leverage on him pre-snap and he's just going to go right around it and then he's going to be in a spot that he should not be able to be in. I think Chris Jenkins to me is I was at the reception when they got back to the practice facility last night and the last thing that he said which was the last thing I think anyone said before the microphone was turned off was we're going to Rick's. <laughs> I mean, you could tell in all the videos uh, that featured him this year that he has just charisma oozing out of his pores. Yeah. Like if football doesn't work out for him, he is going to be well, he a had that rich video. man as a wrestler. He had a video on the plane where he's like, all right, I got the mic. So uh, we're going to ask the most obnoxious questions to the stewardess that we can. <laughs> and so they, like she comes over and he's like, Hey, uh, are we going to, we about to fly over the, or we're leaving wherever we're leaving or whatever. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, are we about to fly over the Golden Gate Bridge? And she goes, no, no, that's Northern California. We're in, we're in Southern California. So, oh, oh, oh. So, so Mount Rushmore then? And she's <laughs> like, no, no, don't, don't, don't you have geography classes? And, and, <laughs> and he's, and he's like, oh, I, I mean, I'm a communications major. I, I don't know. You know, and it's just like, he's setting the whole thing up, involving his teammates. And then you can hear someone in the background, Chris, shut up, Chris, Chris, just shut up. <laughs> I mean, just to bring this conversation back around, that was a 230-pound guy that they recruited because he was, you know, the son of an NFL player. Another guy that Michigan, years ago, said, how can we moneyball recruiting because we're not playing this five-star game? And he wasn't really 230 pounds when he got here, but no one had an updated weight because no one looked at the guy. Well, and he didn't play right away. You know, I mean, like... Well, he, he was never going to play right away. Right, but I mean, it was not really until last year where you start seeing him, oh, yeah, there's well, he plays, was. And... I mean, he was a guy, he was 230 pounds right. as a recruit, but, like, he shows up around 250, and Herbert goes to work. And, and, but he's and, but he's just another yeah. guy that has to stay. Speaking of and tooting the horn, Emgo Sleeper of the Year, Chris Jenkins. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the offense. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your Emgo financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25% as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable in southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. We'll now begin the push-up section. Ready? I'm ready. Begin. Let's get it. Down. Up. One. Down. Up. Up. Shit, you better get, get down. down. Boy, it's a stick. Up. Time to put your hands down. down. Time to pick a blick. Up. Up. Acting like they stay down. Whole time they switch. Up. Spent a long time. Down. But I spend the rest. Moody six put me down. But the yerk woke me up. Everything upside down. I was down, really. Up. On the top looking down. Y'all gon' have to get it. Up. Heard the dog was talking. Down. Seen his whip and lit it. Up. I was bad as hell. I probably smoked my first blood at 11. Ain't shit changed, boy. You know it's fuck. I need to try out the pint. I sell you a 13. All right, let me stop bullshitting. What push up is this? 14. It's only one way from down, and that's up. If this shit goes down, guarantee we pick it up. If I'm ever feeling down, make anxiety lift me up. 18. That's when I started to chase dreams. 19. The last time I had a sprite clean. All right, offensively, a rerun of the Rose Bowl uh, for the most part, except more explosive. Michigan dominates early. Uh, gets up uh, 17 to three, scoring on their first three possessions, all of which feature huge explosive runs. On the first two, Donovan Edwards takes duo runs to the house. On the third, Corum is able to bust one out for I think 56 yards. Michigan is able to kick a field goal after that as their drive sputters, and then things kind of tighten up. And sometimes I feel like if you have incredible success doing one thing early in a game that sometimes you get a little stuck in a rut with it. Because there was a point at which everybody on Twitter, Michigan fan and journalist, was like, was like, why would you ever throw the ball? Mm-hmm. And then the next half was kind of like, oh, I guess that's why you would throw the ball. Because Michigan just wasn't in a situation where they were confident in their passing game. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Like, we had some drops. We had some uh, JJ issues. It just wasn't crisp. And Michigan still... They won the national championship without looking particularly crisp in both playoff games on offense. Well, preceding the second Edwards touchdown run, they had one of the passes of the year from JJ. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So, and and you can see that because we were sitting in the end zone, which is probably the one 
good thing about seeing in the end zone is you get to see the matchups and the and the sight lines going down the field. And you can see that they have a safety on Wilson. I even said that. I said this to the people I was with. I was like, uh, we got Wilson matched up on a safety right now. And they went play action, and he hit his deep over, and he threw it right over the opposite safety because the first safety couldn't keep up with him, and the ball was just put in a perfect well, spot. Well, that was the Brian glory to play action. All right, I mean, they had yeah. eight in the box. The ninth is the safety who Which, comes down, and then is like, uh-oh. When you and run, tries to run back and doesn't you, get there in time. When you run so successfully and for and for explosive plays, mm-hmm. that they're going to change who they put on the field, okay, and the, you get a matchup. The problem is the second Edwards touchdown was an eleven in the box moment. Yeah, there was yep. nobody deeper than five yards. Yeah, and so Michigan rips off an incredibly easy touchdown because, as mentioned, one of the Washington linebackers has apparently never seen a duo before. <laughs> like he's like, "Oh, I got to get over this gap," and he's like, "He's in this gap," and like. No, I need to get over two more gaps. <laughs> and Edwards pops out the backside, and there's absolutely no one there. And I kind of think at that point, you're feeling like, oh, we can just do this all day. And especially after the quorum run, where it's like, no, actually, they're going to stop playing the worst defense in the history of America. And they're going to kind of bow up a little bit. And I think that happened against TCU a little bit, too. Because yeah. the first play in that game was an ISO for Donovan Edwards that went for 50 yards. And then... That was kind of fool's gold because they had a really good plan, TCU did, for jamming up Michigan's interior ground game. But because you had that success early, you're like, we can we can do this. We're gonna maybe it's not this play, maybe that was two yards, that's fine, but these guys aren't up for it. And I kind of felt like in the second and third quarters, Washington was committing numbers to the box. They were being more responsible in terms of gap soundness. And Michigan didn't really have a good counterpunch. And this is when I was screaming for J.J. to keep the ball. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say there there were two types of Michigan fans. There were the ones saying, throw the ball, and the other one saying, our quarterback has legs. And there it was, wasn't until that third and eight, backed up by the end zone, where he gets they, a scramble. Yeah, he gets a scramble and makes two guys miss. He's about to get the first down. I'm like, okay, is this going to be a collision? Yeah. And both those guys just completely whiff him, and he gets another like and 10 I was yards. Like, this is our quarterback. The, yeah. And the, the drive before that, they have a third and three, and they run outside zone yeah. to um, to Corum, and it's like, oh. Because they have Loveland running their yeah. RPO, yeah, and that's covered. So Corum's got the ball. You're running, R- you're running outside zone. The RPO has absorbed an edge defender, and I'm just like, I saw it happening. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the keep, and it wasn't. And I, that's when I had my mad tweet. I did a mad tweet. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, JJ, every, keep the ball. Everyone's. Did you everyone's think there was a read was on that one? I, uh, I, I don't know. I got questions from people about that, and I looked at it and I thought, I don't think so. I but mean, I, there has to be like, if there. I mean, it's a mean a keep read. Yeah, yeah. like, it, or if it's just railed to the, because if he pulls. The, there has to be a run option because that's why you're yep. running Loveland in the flat. And just all year, they never really took advantage of it. I mean, there was a Penn State game last year where it was like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. We're really going to fully weaponize this. And I know J.J. was hurt kind of towards the tail end of the season. That probably had something to do with it. But they never really incorporated it into their offense. And they were really conservative about it. And it kind of felt in the second and third quarters like this was going to lose them the game. Because I cannot imagine Washington successfully defending a Michigan ground game that makes you defend 11 on 11. Well, yeah. <laughs> they were having it's, trouble with 11 on 10, and so their answer was like, okay, let's add a guy. 
Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I know Michigan won the national championship, but I got to complain about something. You do. And that's it. Was it not crazy that after the J.J. scramble for the first down, which is the first time he really uses his legs, then comes the key yeah. play? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just was like... Wait, so wait, we know about open. this? Do, do we we figured this out? Like, what? Yeah. How? And then every neutral I follow on Twitter was like, oh, Twitter's calling the plays now and they work. And I was like, <laughs> yes, they do. They do work. Because, <laughs> like, the, the, the passing game was a little bit wonky. Like, it wasn't really firing on full, all cylinders for various reasons. They had those speed outs that Jabbar Muhammad was like, no. Yeah. Well, and then the linebacker on the other one. Yeah, and I, I was... You have the ground game. You're crushing them. Like, there was that third and four, I believe, after the quorum run where they tried the speed out to um, Johnson that got broken up. And everybody in the section was like, how did they not just run it there? Yeah. Because, like, if it's fourth and two, I'm going. Uh, That was – yeah. And that's what they've been doing all year. That's the the spot where Michigan is, like, going to kill you if you do that. Right. And I felt like – I mean – I could maybe see that with Wilson, but that's not Johnson's game. Yeah. Like, running a four-yard out, I was like, I don't know. I was, like, as much as I loved everything about the Alabama game plan, I thought that was a superlative game plan against a very tough defense. Like, I kind of felt like they just lined up and ran some big duo at them. Yeah. And then it was kind of like... Odd that Morris and Morgan kind of went away for this game after they well, were like a feature of the Alabama game they plan. They threw to Morgan on the first drive, and I thought J.J. <laughs> missed it, but then I wondered if maybe Morgan was supposed to continue out. The route was bad? Yeah, he yeah. stopped on a hitch instead of kind of going out because the ball was going straight at the outside corner back then, and, and I think Morgan got a piece of it and it went down or whatever, but like – they even said on the broadcast of like, well, that could be a pick. I just thought that, you know, they used that as a way to attack the pattern match, but also the linebackers. And then you go into this game and I'm like, am I scared of Washington's linebackers in coverage? No. I like, thought that that was the relative strength of their, I mean, depends I don't know. on who's I thought out their corners there. were okay, but like <laughs> you get some of those backup linebackers, like that Raylan Goforth guy or How many Carson Bruner. Bruner was on the field some too. Bruner, like, has, I mean, Bruner has like really good yeah. coverage but like I know you didn't like. Yeah, him, I didn't but. like him very. I don't know. I just felt like there was opportunities there that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like well, I've said this all year. Is like I don't understand why they didn't hammer play action more often, yep. especially against a team like this, where like if you chip that defensive end, it's not like anybody else is getting to the quarterback yeah. real quick. They, I mean, they ran more play action this game than I think they've run for weeks. They but also still, got they also got this, sacked on their first play action attempt. I think. Well, and and but Washington that was on JJ. Them. Sure, he, he had plenty of time. He could have rolled to the right. Yeah, yeah. I was mean, just like, yeah, get rid of the ball at that but point. But I, but that. So you have the initial success running the ball, and then you run play action, and it doesn't work. And sometimes I wonder if like they kind of the first time spooks you, and they're having success doing something. And but you know, back to Alex's point, they didn't attack with Samaj outside the tackle at all. Like well, that's they had a screen to him, and they got. Knock down for no, I'm, talk- I'm talking about like early on jet sweep, yeah. send around, oh, yeah. any of that stuff, just to stress them out. Like they did put him in orbit a couple times, though. Yes, yeah. but they never actually went with it, and I felt like, I mean, maybe they just felt like a team that practices all the screen perimeter stuff, like Washington, would have that stuff much better down than they had. Like, here's two tight ends and a bonus defensive uh, offensive lineman. Can you fit duo? No. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We got to talk about Donovan Edwards, though. 
All right. It's his fake out. Well, you had a point you wanted to make. He's got... Uh, we moved past right. that, so... We've, he's got, like, this thing where he's just like, all right, I'm going to pretend I don't know where the hole is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to commit these linebackers. Long con or in, this, or in this case, a safety. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, he my did God. It, he did it against Penn State. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. we've been like, well, the mm. hole's over there, and I'm like, yeah, but just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Got, okay, go. <laughs> he's got friendly butts, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go over here, and I don't care when Donovan Edwards is cutting. I don't care if he's run up the butt of his offensive lineman. I just care that he cuts. I don't care <laughs> when. He's so explosive that if he changes direction, it's all over, baby. Just change direction. Well, you've, the, you've, the, we've got you finally gotten the Dow of, De- of Donovan Edwards down. Like it, it took just, this long. Just cut some. Just cut somewhere. It, you're you're just you're watching no, so much quorum, no, and you're I've, like no, now no, you have like I've, a, I've unrealistic been, expectations. Been, no, stop it! I've been saying this for a year and a half now because there was that Rutgers game where he's just like, oh, I'm going to put my foot in the ground, and he looked amazing in that game. And so many of his his issues this year have been just running in a straight line. Yeah, and in this game. I know on the first one it took him a while to get there, but he cut, and after and the the sort of like delay there was hugely helpful because yep. you have well, two defensive tackles like converging on the spot that Donovan Edwards no longer is. You have a safety who's trying to to fill, mm-hmm. and that extra beat means he's so close to the line of scrimmage that when Donovan Edwards bounces outside, he's not getting there. Yeah. So the first one, you're right. He he buries and then. Waits, I guess, and then hits the he whole. He bounces. He actually hits the defenders the, and bounces off. The second one, I thought he nailed perfectly. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. I thought it was he missed it, and on replay, I was like, nope, he no. timed that perfectly. He he. So it that's the Donovan Edwards equivalent of the touchdown after the Zinter injury for Corum. Yeah, yeah. Where Corum knows exactly what he's doing. Yep. He's committing defenders, and then he's bra- and then that linebacker who we've brought up, the poor guy, we've already brought him up twice. Just. <laughs> The worst duo fit I've ever seen. Um, but he knows that he's going to threaten frontside and cut backside, and that's that's what makes Donovan Edwards explosive. And we fi- I, don't, I don't care about the rest of the year. Like He no. did it. He did you, it when yeah. he needed to do it. I think the rule is if you score two touchdowns in the national championship game, it means you somehow got there regardless if it was because of you or somebody else, but you were able to produce in the biggest game in program – I don't know, half a century history? Seven minutes into this game, Donovan Edwards had outsc- had won the national championship. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to say after watching this year. Like it was they they had all the points they needed at that point. It really did not feel like that. Well this and that's was the least comfortable thirty four to thirteen victory I've ever seen. Well and that's like well, I mean the context was a little different than that. But like that's the thing that maybe we didn't even touch on the defensive section was like they only gave up thirteen points and one of them was a fourth down touchdown. And like that's and they, and they had two picks. <sighs> and enough, enough for the first two drives to win you the game. I mean, this is the offense section, but let's briefly say the nineteen ninety seven team did not play a Washington or an Ohio State in no. twenty twenty three. No, they played Washington State to win the national championship. But I mean, a very good Washington State team. But just in terms of like what the standard is for doing defense. Well, they, I mean, they played Brian Leaf, who had like five. I mean, they were they were doing like <laughs> yeah. 1997 was, versus 2023, yeah. just in terms of like what percentage of drives actually get points. Yeah, there's no comparison. Right? Yeah. They're not punting on fourth and two from the 30. Right. Anymore. Yeah, that's, they almost did. <laughs> what that's the oh next my section. god, that's the next yeah. section. Yeah, let's not talk about that now. Yeah, I mean, another piece in the next section is I was going to start comparing to some other teams, and one of the points is that 
Michigan beat all 15 teams by holding them under 25 points for the first time since Minnesota in 1904. Yes, sir. Also, this is the best Michigan team uh, according to SP Plus since 1902. Yep. Yeah. So it's been a minute. Uh, but back to the offense. I want Loveland. Sh- I was going to talk about Trente Jones <laughs> okay. on, on the quorum, the long quorum. Let's do that run. first. Trente gets a huge chip and then releases to a linebacker and absolutely wipes him out. He's also locking out uh, one of the defenders authoritatively on the second Edwards touchdown. Like I know, like I'm, I've been like the big Trente guy since he got six games at the beginning of last year, but. Thank, hey, come on. I was I was <laughs> we're all, him. We're all we're all pointing at, at, at Alex for, for those of you listening. I will I will I will you are <laughs> Alex. I will I will not be out Trente Jones, <laughs> maniacs. But you're just gonna fight everyone at yes, this block. I, I am. I'm gonna fight all of you. What, wait, you're gonna do a trivia qu- game with me. What are you gonna do with Alex uh, for, the, for Trente Jones? You could enter the Australian Open draft. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, you guys are really sapping my joy right now. <laughs> you know All right, ta- you, tell me about Trente, Brian. You, you, I mean, you have plenty of joy right thank now. Thank God for Trente Jones. Yes. How many, how many teams in the history of college football are getting an injury to their best offensive lineman and experiencing approximately no drop off when their backup comes in? Nobody, no, but that is that is, a, that, is a, that is a first team All American that Michigan lost, and nothing happened. The, the line did not get worse. Carson Barnhart got better. Well, well and there's reason for that. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I mean, you probably said this last week, but you, I mean, I thought it was. I didn't even think of this, but you had a great point about like maybe his best position is center. Yeah, it's possible. That's that's what they, which is like moving further. Inside. Yeah, we got a lot of centers though. Well, yeah, but I mean, God bless Trent A. Jones. Now you can say the thing you're gonna say. I got my thing out. Loveland. Yeah. Oh well, I was just gonna bring him up next because like you know we can talk about the catch which was amazing and then his ability to stay on his feet and run and all that stuff and that's great but like i thought his blocking was better he had a few night really nice blocks i had probably two or three blocks that i wrote down of, of all his notes about oh that's a good block a good block from loveland and like that's when you know we've talked about him all year it's been kind of the thing that we've said well you know if he blocks well great if he doesn't we can live with that. Yeah. And the things that we've really talked about with him in terms of praising him have been, man, he's just a tough matchup, or that's great hands, or what a catch, or, you know, he just ran away from a guy. But he's kind of maybe starting to develop his ability to block. Maybe he got the right matchups. Maybe they got a right scheme that he got to get on the guy that, that they wanted. Well, I think the degree of difficulty is a little bit lower against Washington than it is against, like, JTT. Well, sure. You know, like... But when I was like getting out in space and, and hitting a guy, I mean, he was yeah, the, the, he was the lead block on the on the orgy on the, run. There's, I mean, it's an exponential curve. So he's he's not Mike Gazek, right? And he's not <laughs> well, and he's not. And he, I don't think he's Jake Butt either. He's not, like, it's not part of that. Like, is ninety percent receiver and sometimes gets what, in the way okay, kind of guy. You, okay, I have occasionally seen Jake Butt around. I you got to take that back because he's gonna fight me for the blog <laughs> compared to, him to Mike Gesicki. All right, I'm not. No, I'm not comparing him to Kaziki at all. Kaziki is like the extreme. Doesn't the, the, he, well, it's Kaziki, a bad thing if he blocks. Kaziki is in like the funchious mold of like is, is why why I'm saying, but but was like a a fan, an incredible receiver who was a fair blocker. He was in the way. He was. Yeah. <laughs> he was that's. I mean, no, no, that's that's not a, that's not an insult. 
Like it's just funny the way you, the way like, you is Gazicki is like Devin Funches. Right, like, no, yeah, he's not in the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jake Butt was in the way, yeah. and AJ Barner this year has been moving people. Right, and what Loveland has done is he has mostly been in the way, but he has flashed. I'm going to move this guy. Right, mm-hmm. and, and it was interesting because at the reception last night, obviously all the people you think were going to talk talked. Where you had you know Barrett and Zayner still and Corum and JJ, and then there was Colston Loveland, and he was like third. I mean, there are guys that you know they could have brought up Trevor Keegan, yeah. You know they could have brought up Zinter. <sighs> they could have really brought up Zinter. I mean, you could have brought up Domin Edwards. Yeah. I mean, like after his performance, Roman Cornelius Johnson. It's like been here forever. I mean, there are guys, and they brought up Colston Loveland. So. You know, maybe there's something else going on that, you know, we don't know about because we're not in the locker rooms and all that stuff. But, like, he's growing a lot. And maybe he's taking on leadership roles behind the scenes. Well, I mean, but th- think about the the progression of Michigan tight ends. Like, yeah, the only one who you even know their name when they're a true sophomore is Colson Loveland. Mm-hmm. Like, no, but had some Well, plays, people knew but... his name because they knew his no, name. No, 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 no. But I think, wasn't but... his true sophomore year the Northwestern catch? Okay. But... Uh, that was 13. That, that, was, uh, freshman that was his freshman year. Points made. Uh, accidentally. Come on. Yeah. But, Norman okay, with limited exceptions, these guys take three years to marinate and then actually get on the field. Well, usually because there's like two guys in front of them where you're but like... What, but, I mean, this was a guy who was catching a touchdown against Ohio State as a true freshman, and you could see it coming. It wasn't a fluke. And who was tasked with an end-around pass in the playoff game last year. It didn't work. But they were like, let's give it to true freshman Colston Loveland yeah. on an end-around and have him throw it. Well, yeah. And, I mean, the guy who went the wrong way on that play was Khalil Mullings. And then Mullings had some limited contributions in this game didn't exactly get a ton but that run i'm had, telling you 2024 20, mullings yeah but he had another run in there too that yeah. wasn't ever going to go further but it picked up a first down and yeah. bounced off a guy and moved the guy and you're like yeah i mean that's not like exactly quorum but it's in the mold well but it was a second and three that was blocked to a third and four and he got a, he got a yeah. first down out of it and and when he's been deployed as a lead blocker this year, they got to figure something out with that. And Samaj next year. Like, well, and they uh-huh. did. I mean, because they did the thing again with um, Edwards and him in the backfield mm-hmm. and used him as a lead blocker. Yeah. Like his, his versatility. He had that catch against Bama where I was like, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> the wide, wide receiver Khalil yeah. Mullings. So, like, whatever he was doing uh, on defense, it was like, get us some linebackers. And maybe that's a little bit of the. The Morgan Morris stuff that we talked about is like, you know, they had they had Bredesen in and they used Mullings and stuff at different points. And so maybe they're thinking that, you know, against Bama, maybe we want to go a little bit smaller and shiftier. And against Washington, we want to get bigger and thicker. Well, they I mean, the first drive, they ran that uh, that double G that was like a it's like pin and pull. But like both guys are on the front side who are pulling that. I don't think they down ran. GT. Yeah, down GT is what I call it. The uh, but I, they used to run that in 2019 with like you know Mike Onwenu and Cesar Ruiz and that is blocked perfectly by Nugent and blocked perfectly by and then Barner turns a guy in and that was like a couple times that Barner just made yeah. a plus two block. I mean, I was kind of vaguely hoping we might get Barner back next year, but uh, he's yeah. in the senior bowl and I was like, nuts. So they can drop out up until the day. Yeah, before but the the. Yeah. Uh, the intention to enter, I think, is clear. So, 
and he'll get drafted because I mean Michigan tight end. Well, that's that's the guy I forgot to talk about when I was talking about the uh, the, the transfer transfers? portal yeah. class. Yeah. As you called that, Alex, you're like, this guy's an all-Big Ten tight end. He's like, Honestly, he's the best blocking tight end I've ever charted. Like, it, it was nuts. And then he's also a solid receiver. It was, I mean, that's a hell of a scout because well, him and Josh Wallace were the guys where you just did not see the, their level of performance coming. We can we can give them a little bit of credit for Barner, but, like, watching the staff pull a tight end out of somewhere is kind of like, oh, he'll probably be good. Yeah, they had two hundred thirty. They had thirty pounds to him, and I mean, he was in a Walt Bell offense. You don't need to add. You didn't need to add thirty pounds to him. He was already pretty much a, a finished but, product. But like, they didn't have to, but they did. I mean, it's he, sort of he's like a lot bigger this year than he was last year. Sort of like pre-scoring, right? Like you're just like, eh, he'll probably be in the NFL because well, they'll turn him into a really good player. Pre-scoring's a different deal because he was a top one hundred guy when he committed. But Usually it doesn't it's matter. Like, it's just whatever uh, the name is. This guy's this guy's a quarterback for Zach Marshall. No, fine, Nowhereville, Rhode Island. Zach, Zach Marshall is like the pump up guy. <laughs> Zach Marshall is the dude standing on the bench, like waving his arms every single play, getting everybody pumped, and he'll look you right in the eye and make sure that you go nuts. All right. <laughs> All right. So we haven't even mentioned JJ McCarthy's name except in the context of him running the ball. So 140 passing yards didn't exactly light it up, but didn't need to. But his YPA was good. Yeah, and that's that's been his season where people are like, oh well, after Connor Stallions left, his his white his league, he's not throwing the ball a lot, and there are reasons for that. It's because you're playing Penn State and you don't have pass protection, or you're playing Michigan State and you're just running them over. Well, no, he had a huge game against Michigan yeah. State, but they're they, not counting that, that one. Didn't count because it was after he was suspended, but before he resigned. Oh, okay, okay. So that yeah, one doesn't right, count. Yeah, sorry, but. You know, when you need a play from him, I mean, you're backed up on the seven. It's third down. You've run it twice ineffectually, and he gets that scramble. Just a huge turning point in the game because Michigan's up seven points at that point. You do not want to give Washington a short field. They are able to get out to, like, the 30, and then he runs the next play. They end up punting, but they punt from the 50, and I think their next drive starts at the 11. Mm-hmm. Punting is winning. That was... That was our Kirk Ferentz moment. That like, was. It was huge. And at the end of the game, when it's like, oh, my God, we're still in a seven-point game. We cannot punt the ball back. He gets a ton of pressure. He It's play action. The linebackers aren't biting at all. And he threads that in to Colson level, and it's a little high, but it's got to be high. And that's the catch and run that sets up the touchdown drive. So when – they needed him. He was there, and he suffered a couple of drops. He was... well, they were punch outs, I think. Well, the I mean, throw the wasn't throw, the issue. The throw to Loveland was awesome. Yes, yeah. and, yeah. Was, yeah. and, and then the ball was punched out. And then I had another one too. To oh, the Wilson one, where the guy just makes this blind play. Yeah, I mean the ball is in a fine spot. I texted Alex during the game because I was like. I couldn't see that. Did you see it? And you're like, no, that was just an insane play by the by the coverage they, guy. Yeah, they yeah. Had, so like, like ten of eighteen. I don't know. I mean, well, and he then did have a flat drop from Cornelius Johnson. He had the flat the drop from Cornelius. He also had the one with Morgan, where we don't know if Morgan needs to go out. And if like, I thought that was on JJ. I did, did too. You did. I, I kind of felt the Morgan one was on Morgan. That, that might be one of those things like freshmen over senior, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's the grading thing we were yeah. talking about earlier. Well, it's just unknowable. Yeah, right. And that 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 one makes it difficult. But if you but if if it is on Morgan, and then you add in these other three balls, like 
Now you're looking at 14 of 18 for maybe another two bills, yeah. maybe yeah. 30, 40 yards combined or yeah. something. And like, I mean, he's kind of like, you have to look at this offense and they want to run the ball. They're good at running the ball. So they're sort of like a 80s, 90s NFL offense where, you know, your quarterback isn't, they don't, they're not trying to throw him for 350 or 400 yards. And But he's got to make the throws when he's got to make them. And he pretty much has. There's been a game or two where it's been like, could have been a little bit better, but in the end, like you said, he makes the throw to to Loveland, and Loveland makes the phenomenal catch. And part of it is like, hey, I'm going to throw this ball in a spot where you have to make a tough catch because that's what I see in the the spot I have. The well, the first pass of the game to Cornelius Johnson over the middle is a really tough throw because he comes oh, off yeah, the, the out read, yeah. and he's like throwing like this underneath an arm, and and Johnson makes a nice catch, and you're just like. I mean, well, there's another one where he's backing up the whole time because he has to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's still a completion. And like, the numbers aren't there, but the the reliability, the accuracy, the the calmness. And then the they bring Wilson the, his last pass of the game, the last pass. Hopefully, not the last pass I ever get to chart of JJ McCarthy. <laughs> but he comes underneath. They it's Roman Wilson underneath the line again on that little out, and he can throw it right away, but he doesn't. He forces the defender to make a decision. The defender drops off. Wilson continues going, hits him in the flat, and they get 15 yards or 10, 12 yards or they whatever. They get a first down. They get a first down, first down which is the, to the to yeah. the 15-yard line, and two corn runs later. Take, take us home. home, Blake. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a good— And we got to talk about that. Well, we can talk about that, but that kind of a play is like you don't— It's Playing quarterback is a lot more than making throws. And it's a lot more than just reading a defense, but it's about like waiting and timing. I mean, like Alex and I talk about this on the hockey cast all the time on power plays and when you're a defenseman with the puck, like you have to wait for the time and the angle to open. You have to move a guy. Sometimes you have to move yourself and then you make the pass. And sometimes the hardest part is not the pass that you make, but it's it's having the patience to let everything develop long enough so that it's there. And he's pretty good at that. Yeah, his... His ability to read the game and his feel for the game, I think, are two of his best qualities. I, I mean, we were talking in the first half of the season like J.J. McCarthy was the weapon of this offense. Yeah. And my, vibes-wise, he wasn't by the end of the season. But he was a quarterback good enough to win the national championship. Yeah, and they call him a game manager, and that's because Michigan needed him to do that. But in the moments... When they needed more from him, like down seven against Alabama with four minutes left, he was more than that. Yeah. And he's like, a, he doesn't care. Like, he's a guy who, you know, he plays for a lot of other teams in this country. He, he's a strong Heisman contender. Mm-hmm. He was the favorite for the Heisman until he threw eight passes against Penn State. Did he care about any of that? No. Nobody's oh, flashing <laughs> a ring at all those people now. Well, there are guys who will say they didn't care about it, but it, oh. it kind of bothered them deep down inside. And I know for a fact. That J.J. McCarthy doesn't care at all. He said it last year. He's yeah. like, I hope we run the ball. I don't have to do anything. We're going we're gonna to pound you. I'm going to hand it off, and you're not going to be able to stop it. And he's giggling. One of the things that I think does need to be talked about in part, and this isn't just to dunk on the anonymous coaches, because that is, <laughs> that is fun. But, this is called a paralypsis. <laughs> when you say that I'm gonna, not going to do this, no, just so you do I, it. I think there's something interesting going on with Michigan's offense, and part of this is also Georgia, too, in that remember that 2019 playoff where it was Trevor Lawrence, Burrow, Fields, and 
uh, Hertz, right? He was the fourth one in there. And the conception was at that point, like, if you don't have a first-round quarterback who can throw 40 times for 400 yards, you can't win in college football anymore. And I thought the takes from anonymous coaches, from the Stuart Mandels and the, all those media types have been so sort of influenced by the idea that the way you win in college football is you have to be a passing spread that's NFL style with elite wide receivers. That's how you win. And if you don't have that, you can't win. And now we've seen Georgia and Michigan uh, go against that. Yeah. And I don't know if the tide has turned or what exactly is going on there, but I do think it's really interesting because the Michigan offense finished the year 12th in SP Plus offense. They were not a bad offense. Yeah. But so many people thought they were for a lot of the year. Well, two-thirds of the ESPN pickers, and there were like 60 of them, picked Washington. And I think about four of them picked Michigan to cover, which they did emphatically eventually. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it is interesting that we're, we're sort of surging back to more of a defense wins championships period. Because there was that Alabama string of dominance where it was just like, yeah, yeah they've got – some guy with Bama bangs as their quarterback who's going to have an NFL career kiss consisting of holding a clipboard for a, a practice or two. And then they lost that. I mean, they still had the defense. Georgia basically has done that for two years. Well, that's what right. he's saying. Yeah. Right? There was a period for, for Alabama, and then it was like, all right, Alabama's like, okay, we got to get. They lost to Deshaun, and then they were like, we have to get. We got to get Tua. We got to have, and yeah. we got to have an explosive offense that can compete in this kind of RPO era. And now that the RPO era is kind of petering out as defenses figure it out, you have efficient offenses that are coming more to the fore. And that was what was so missing and I thought was so bad about some of the takes going in is that part of it was Michigan just went through a period of time where they played over the course of about six, seven weeks, all of the good defensive players in college football. They played all the good defenses, Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State, oh, yeah, I think you mentioned Alabama. This, yeah. like, of all the first-rounder, <laughs> defensive first-rounders. They played 10 of 14. 10 of 14 that, yeah. in that stretch. <laughs> and so it just went through this period of time where people were like, oh, Michigan's offense isn't very good. And I'm like, no, they were just playing elite defenses. When they were playing defenses of Washington's caliber, they were shredding them. And I just think some of the predictions going in just lost, A, how concerning the tape Washington's defense had was, but secondly, just how good Michigan's offense was for a lot of this year. And then we saw them against a very mediocre defense again, and they put up seven yards per play. And I don't think that was surprising. I think going, I mean, going back to your original question, what happened, I think there was a little bit of truth to the meta-narrative that we saw with Michigan and Ohio State, where Don Brown was shutting down the JT Barrett offenses. Mm -hmm. and, that's what, and that's where offenses were. And Clemson had the same kind of offense. Venables was like, we're going to run man a lot. We're going to have a hybrid, and they just they had talented enough defensive tackles to make that work. And if you had good defensive tackles and good cornerbacks, you could play it. And if you didn't, you couldn't. And how do you beat that? You have an NFL passer throw the ball all over the yard because you know what matchups you have and you know where you're going to get them. And Michigan was on the cutting edge for once of the shift, but I think the shift has been very – Written large. I mean, Saban runs the same defense, but he can because it's a switching defense, and it's hard to teach. Well, I mean, there's like ebbs and flows in college football. In sports. And after the 2021 Ohio State game, I came on this podcast, and I thought I said that I thought Michigan was ahead in the meta game for the first time in a really long time. And I think this national championship is part of that. Is like Michigan is kind of on the cutting edge by running a caveman offense for a portion of the time. I mean, they're not really a caveman offense. They do – 
a lot of gun stuff. But mm-hmm. in terms of who has the most unique offense in college football, I think Michigan has an argument. Well, and that's part of the – when everyone goes to defend a passing spread, then you can create a market inefficiency right. by yeah. having yeah, the opposite. Exactly. And, and that is, again, what some of the anonymous coaches – well, like the, the obviously Manny Diaz quotes were like, <laughs> in part, like there was just this sense of like, what? You're not allowed to run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You you're not he allowed was... to do that. We don't do that anymore. We stopped doing that a long time ago. He was like, Why are you doing this? This is unfair. Yeah. It's not at all what's going on. All right. Last takes. Offense. Okay. I turned to Jason Sklar on that second and seven that Quorum scored. And I said, we're going to win the national championship right here. And it wasn't like Seth Notre Thomas or anything like that. Michigan lined up, and it was just the feel of the moment and and the feel like the it was like a quorum thing. Yeah. Where you this knew Michigan what he was, does. Michigan's going to run right here and he's going to get to the end zone or he's going to like well, get and, close. And the way he does it is by setting up a linebacker to the outside and just dismissing him. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. And Blake took us home. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Talk about some special teams, some other stuff. We'll feel, we'll figure it out. Jake Butt here, guys, live down from the National Championship Convention Center down in Houston, and we got some big-time news for you guys, Michigan faithful. We need your help to keep our team. Last year, Champion Circle launched the One More Year Fund to support key players coming back, like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Sinner, who elected to return to Michigan for one more year. Now we're launching the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Our rivals are coming after many of our key players, trying to induce them to leave Michigan. It's time for the Michigan family to show our players how much we appreciate them and want them back in the maze in blue. To keep the momentum going, head over to those who stay, uofm.com. Again, that is those who stay, uofm.com to support. Go blue. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage it with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Maze and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co founded Autograph with one mission in mind. Change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. 
The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. Special teams, game theory, and then some feelings ball. Starting with the special teams, that was the most annoying punter Michigan has ever faced. They I, figured it out finally. Did you see how they well, solved it? Well, well yes. something that they should have so, been doing a long time ago. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Dinkum's McPunter is like, <laughs> I looked this up. He's like the worst hang time guy in America. And I'm like, oh, that's why. So all of his punts were super short and unfieldable, and they put two guys out there. Yeah. Eventually. And then the first time they do that, Samaj Morgan panics. No, no, no. He's no. called off the field oh, by coaches. It? Yeah. There are plural coaches who are like Rah, waving at him and, and the, yelling at and him. And the Washington fans start oh. booing Yeah, because they don't realize that Michigan has just run their 11th guy off the field. Yes. Right. Like, and then this, like, so. Did you know that live? Like when, yes. you, when you were there, you knew that because when you saw the two guys, they back, put, they put Samaj back and then they put Thaw up. That was clearly right. a plan. Mm -hmm. And then someone who was not the special teams coach must have panicked. Three or four guys were like waving. But it was, I mean, so it was, I guess it's not Samaj's fault. So I'm, I apologize. But on the next one, they put both guys out there and they feel the punt. And I was just like, okay, like. I kind of feel like a lot of teams should have been like spread punt plus rugby or whatever kind of punting this was garbage punting <laughs> line <Well>. drive <laughs> the malort of punting you know it, it looks ugly but it'll get you there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for explaining that one, Brian. <laughs> uh, so against the malort punting, they they uh, I mean that's a a plan that I I really wish that Michigan had gone to like five years ago. <laughs> And they finally like, well, let's try to field this one. And it worked out. Yeah. Other special team stuff was largely uneventful. Samaj took out a couple of early kickoffs and only got to about the 15 or 16. So the first one is kind of like an emotional return, right? Like you were just I mean, jacked up. This is the this is the national championship game. He's not taking it out of the end zone. It's about a yard short. Sure. And I think in that situation, Michigan wants to try a return. Yeah. Were you happy with his second decision to do the same thing? It's the same thing. Like it's short of the end zone. He's not taken out from five yards deep. Michigan wants to roll the dice. It it's hang time too. I don't think either one of those kickoffs got very high. It was just floating in the air slowly until it got to him. I mean, you know, on the one hand, I kind of respect the idea. Like we've got this guy who's super explosive. Let's see if he can do something. On the other hand, it looked like Michigan had not pat practiced a kickoff return all year. Well, because they haven't really faced them, right? I mean, like they just don't. No, well, I, mean, I mean, these days, like, honestly, I wouldn't even bother no. practicing kickoff returns. Like, just 
take the ball at the so 25 and go. Is, is he like the fastest guy on the team or in that? He's even most, Dennis is the even fastest Dennis, guy in the yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's, the most, he's definitely the guy who combines being fast in a straight line with being interesting enough to get there. So yeah. he, But his whole thing is jukebox, right? Like that's <sighs> what they call him and he dances around. And that's like I can see why they have him at punt return. But like this is like Neither a – Neither of those were his fault. He just got swarmed by guys mm-hmm. before he could get anywhere. Sure. I, that's okay. But like unless you have like – some sort of bullet coming out of a gun, like you're just like, because that's what a kickoff return is, is maybe you make a move, maybe half a move, and you change your direction, and then you hit your seam. Punt returns are generally a little bit more, you need to have a burst, but you have to make a guy miss or two because you're not going to have all the blocks down the field. Punt returns, I feel like 90%, I want the guy to be able to catch the ball and field the ball and know where to field the ball. We're definitely getting there. That's where the skill goes, and so I'm willing to like, Get rid of a whole bunch of jitterbugness. But kick returns, usually it's more about, like, do you get a wonderful block? And if you get yeah. a really good block, then something can spring. And then can he make some guys miss or, like, can guys converge on each other? It's a, it's, it's a rolling the dice kind of thing. Like if you run power on a kickoff? Well, you know, uh, uh, it, it's kind of clear that the amount of care and attention paid to special teams this year has dropped off, right? They had, like, one kick block. They haven't really come close to anything else. They had the Samaj return at the end of the year, but the off the other side of that is they really struggled the whole year to find someone they trusted with the punt return job. Yeah. And, like, last, like, the you know, in the heyday of the Pax J-Baw, like, it was like, oh, we got the throwback on the kickoff. We got the fake punts. We're, we're doing the uh, punting from the pro-style formation because we can make it work, and now it's kind of like this, like, eh, we're a standard college football team, which is fine. Well, I mean, you have, like, they tried Morris, who was basically a true sophomore, and never, we hadn't really seen I know, it. but. You, you have Jake Thaw, who's just a, basically a guy who's going to catch a punt, and then you have a true freshman. So you're kind of starting over with a lot of pieces right, that but there's we're, no. I mean, we're talking about a program that pays, like, so much meticulous attention to everything else, and, like, their kind of default this year was putting Thaw back there, and, and no offense to Jake Thaw, but they have a lot of explosive guys on this team, and right. you, you, you would have thought that. You, you would have come to a couple of them and be like, if you want 20 touches this year as a punt returner, like learn how to catch a punt, go earn it. Yeah. And it didn't really happen. So I'm, I'm, it's a, true. I'm hoping we see a little bit of a resurgence there. I know Michigan finished pretty well on SP plus, but that's because of their specialists and they've done well with the specialists and they'll continue to do well with the specialists. But in terms of just like the kind of overall ability to make big plays happen, Aside from your specialist, you know, mm-hmm. we had the Samaj punt return and then the the blocked punt against Maryland, but not a whole lot else. Doman had a bounce back game though. He yeah, did. yeah, that's true. And he he pinned one. Hang I mean, time. They didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really need it, I guess, because it was a knee down. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Turner got really close to missing a field goal, but tucked well, it in. And he also doinked an extra point. He should be worth two points. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I can see you doubting me. Uh, decisions in this game, Michigan almost uh, pulled a Lloyd Carr punt out. Yeah. They're, they're fourth and three from plus 39 after running on third and eight. They called timeout and decided to go for it. They didn't get it. That timeout was actually pretty consequential because <laughs> Cornelius Johnson gets tackled inbounds on their attempt to get a one-minute drill field goal drive, and that kind of nerfs he, it. He needs to get out of bounds on that play, right? Like okay, that, but yeah, if you have a timeout, it's a lot less damaging. Sure. But those are two separate things. So they have to spike the ball and blah, blah, blah. No, no points. And they would have had it about 30 seconds at the plus 49. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was 19 seconds and on 
you know, a down burn. Yeah, and and then the the play call on the on the fourth and three yeah. was kind of I don't know. Well, that was that. that was the Johnson motion in and then out. I thought no, that was the that was a third and four. This one was Wilson getting a broke up. Yeah, I oh, thought okay. I thought that was the Kalen DeBoer special that he he brings those guys in and makes you think they're blitzing and you get the the quarterback no, just, gets lost in there and you don't just, realize he's gonna he's flying outside. Great play from a an undersized corner against a wide receiver who's not gonna exploit the fact that he's undersized, yeah. right? Like if mm-hmm. that's to Colson Loveland, you have a window there where uh, Jabbar Muhammad isn't gonna do anything with it. Yeah, there's so I wasn't a huge fan of that, but in, other than that, decision making was pretty much by the book, right? There wasn't. A, well, Washington keeps going. Yeah, but it, that's like twenty twenty. They went a fourth and seven from midfield, which I I mean that's their thing. That's Washington. Yeah. Well, like, good for them, but like that's not something you see a lot. I think these days you might uh, with offenses like Washington, where it's just like, yeah, this is. We well, they can get were this. already down fourteen to three, right? That too. So you, I mean, that's you know, Michigan sort of put. They were down in fourteen to three, and their defense had shown no uh, ability <laughs> to even slow Michigan down. But that was one where the analytics on the TV said kick, which you don't see too. No, often. you don't actually. <laughs> but that's like bog standard sixtieth in America right. offense, like for. Right. For Washington, I think that's a, a clear go. And then and, they and they go in the red zone, which gets them a touchdown. But they also clearly were setting up to go with the Penix keeper. Well, and they have the the fourth down where they miss the Odunze mm-hmm. for an easy touchdown. So yeah, there were a lot of fourth downs that Penn, that Penn State that Washington got into. Like the Saint were still interceptions of fourth down too. And well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a I mean, but, but all of those decisions were pretty much just like, yeah, they got to go here. There wasn't really a question. Yeah. That. And that one, I think, was kind of a chuck because he was under pressure and he's just like, well, it's, well, fourth it's down. I, mean, I have to throw the ball. Yeah, he's got to put it up. Somewhere. Right. All right. That completed. We can now turn to our football season ending vibes portion. Better so, than all the other years. I'll of tell the you podcast. what. Combined, the better, better than all the other years of any podcast for a football team anywhere in America. This is this is nobody has felt as good as this because nobody felt as bad. Yeah, before this, I mean, Georgia was kind of tortured for a long while. Okay, no, 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 no. Their torture is we can't beat Alabama, but we have the best players in the country. I mean, they waited forty years. We have the Philadelphia Eagles, but they were kind of they were kind of Michigan under Rick for a long time. They didn't. They didn't. Okay, the. That's true, but Rick had a long si- series yeah. of success. It wasn't like they were going three and nine, and they don't end the year every year <laughs> with a scheduled execution, right? Like no, that, they get to do the execution. Georgia Tech, right. Georgia Tech yeah. got him. Georgia Tech got Rick a few times. That's true. And but, the talent and the talent gap on those but teams. They didn't lose like fifteen I mean, or sixteen Calvin years at one point, and that's not even the years they beat him. Yeah, but just the overall. Like do March to the end of the season for for Michigan. So what were those years for you? This is a good time to ask that question. What do you mean? Like when was what were the years where you were like no chance? Um, a lot of them. <laughs> because and then, like and then like one six, of them, Devin Gardner, almost won the game anyway. Because fifteen, we were kind of like going into that game where you're like, yeah, they're a better team, but like I don't know, this Harbaugh team is coming together and everything, and it ended up obviously not going well because of a number of reasons. But then like sixteen. You're like, eh, they're pretty good. We You're, can win I this mean, game. seventeen. You said, you know, the game plan. Okay, but like going into the the eighteen game, favored by a touchdown and having it losing it like you did is worse than yes. Yeah, eighteen was bad. Do you 19, remember what you said that day? 
<laughs> yes. Probably yes. said a lot of keep, things. Keep the receipts. This is the receipts section. Was, was that right? like this is the least fun team in the world? No, to like, like you know you no the MGO radio the day before the eighteen Ohio State. Oh, yeah. You just walked in and you were like Ohio State is a bad football team this year and we're gonna win. They'd almost lost a piggy. So well they they did. Yeah. Well they should have if he would have thrown a correct pass. Well he was piggy. I'm like know. you got to remember that the the cornerbacks in that game were David Long and Lavert Hill. And then Brandon Watson was their third cornerback. And Brandon Watson was not a huge athlete. He was a three-star who had been living with his little tricks. Brandon yeah. Watson is the guy when we started this podcast and I was talking about Sane Rastill and, and Barrett. That was Brandon Watson. Yeah. The guy who's like the try-hard who people wrote off who ended up in his last year being like, Plausible against a lot of teams. He was better than plausible. He was, he was, he was, he was like he was, an all-Big Ten caliber right. player against hilarious. the kind of receivers you face. And then, well, and, and, and it wasn't just the fact that he was going up against mugs. Like, at that uh, that year, Indiana had really good receivers, and yeah. he was pressing them off the field. They rotated him to the outside a few times, and he even played okay out but, there. So the thing that I said more about Brandon Watson than any other player in Michigan history is Rubbin's racing. Yep, which means you know he got away for some with some stuff and it's fine. And against Ohio State, it just did not matter because he couldn't get in contact to do his tricksy thing. Turns out Chris Olave is really good. And also, you know that was the year that people are talking. Well, they had our signs, and yeah. given the way that played out, I mean, honestly, like. I mean, how we, hard is it to run mesh routes against Don Brown? We we also could have used a couple defensive tackles in yeah. that game, but yeah. No, so, no. but you go into that game with the number one defense in the country, and you get absolutely hammered. And then the next year, the the same thing happens, and it's just like this is never going to happen. Nineteen was the one point where I came. I I was never quite on that we need to get rid of Harbaugh, but I was like, okay. Something has to change, I'm and maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's just Shea Patterson wasn't wasn't good oh. enough. Maybe it's you know something. But the thing about Harbaugh over the course of his career is we we got upset about O line stuff, and and he got rid of Drevno, and he brings in Warner, and they kind of fix that. And then you know we talk about he doesn't they don't spread it around enough, and then you know we you end up getting JJ, and even even with Cade they did it a little bit, and so like he would fix those things, and like that was where. That ni- after that nineteen game was like this is we're getting close to the end of the road because he can do everything else and then he fixed it. The Here. nineteen game for me, like everyone talks about the eighteen game. The eighteen game was devastating, but you know nineteen they came back and and we bought into some of the Shea hype and then like the nineteen game was not as surprising, but it for it me was, was it was just mm-hmm. like. Especially because I called that entire game on radio, so I had to talk about it like for four straight hours. I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I left that game in the third quarter. Well, Brian, but, I came down and talked to you in the, before the 19 game because you sit below me, and we were just there and you're looking around and saw all the Ohio State fans. Oh, in all yeah. the there red. were so many. That was that yeah. was, and the, you and I, and you're just that. like we 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 got to do something. Like we can't allow this to keep happening because it's a, it's a not quite a home game for them, but it's really but it freaking close. It was also just the way that game played out. Like, it's not just Ohio State was better, but Michigan made so many, and just like so many things happened that just to me was like, it's just cursed. Yeah. Like you had Kalik lines up 
offsides on a punt. Yeah. Like one of the only times you're going to get this offense off the field. Mm-hmm. He and he's like the senior, the, senior, the leader. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you had, you know, DPJ drops the touchdown. Shea fumbles in the red zone. The ball bounces right to Dobbins. Haskins misses that giant hole on the Haskins cat. It was just like this team is cursed. They can Someone never the, do the right took a thing. Shoe off. Well, and then like the t- the two games prior to those two blowouts are the the O'Corn game and then the JT was short game where you have Wilton Spate who is you know, he's not a guy who had an NFL career, but he was a solid Big Ten quarterback, and then he breaks his collarbone. Against and there was just this streak of, it seemed like 15 years, that Michigan could not get a returning starting quarterback to the Ohio State game and through the Ohio State game healthy. It just never happened. Like, the one time it did happen, it was Devin Gardner, and he broke his foot in the first half of the game. And that was and still, still had the best game against Ohio <laughs> and that, State. That, that yeah. was still like a game where Michigan's going for two at the end of, of the game to win it. And then there, they, we have, after that, the worst successful two-point play I have ever seen in the bowl game, <laughs> where they're getting absolutely hammered by Kansas State. And they they pull out some sort of crazy trick play to go like they score a touchdown and then it's like thirty five to fifteen and every single Michigan fan on Twitter said something very impolite about Al Borges well, at that exact second and it was fitting that that was his last play called as Michigan but you and I I mean we were watching that game together and said a lot of things that yeah not well nice, I said a lot of things that didn't go on Twitter that yeah. <laughs> well in any case well let us stop wallowing well that brings us to the the flip side of the brian pre-emgo radio comments because 2021 this is the reverse and this is when it it flips because you oh, came I was on that so day. annoying that year <laughs> you, <laughs> i was like i was like lucy with the football yeah. <laughs> you came on that day right before the show started and seth and i were kind of chatting about like oh these are the matchups and all this stuff and you were just like it doesn't matter. We're going to yep, lose. Let's, let's be Ohio State's friend. It's just like, I hope everybody <laughs> plays hard and has fun. I'm sorry, everybody. I was very annoying. You had a rough year. Well, happens. that's true. Um, lightning round. Here we go. Favorite moment, Alex. From this season? From this season. Um... I, I mean, it would probably be the Rod Moore interception against Ohio State okay. because that was just like after all the sign gate and all that stuff, they had to win that game, and yeah. that ended it. And that was just got the huge monkey off the back to start. Seth, you just took mine. That was so, but but so I'm going to go. There's with, so many. There's so many. But that was I was I was going to go in back to that one because I thought you were going to go Rose Bowl. So I was just going to go. So go, dude. I'm, I'm going Rose Bowl, but I'm not doing the the final stop, even though that felt the best. Okay. I'm doing the one where I've been so good at holding on to hope. Even in 2021, I was so good at like just this is going to happen for us. Yeah. And I almost dropped it when. They got their hand on that pass to uh, Roman, and then it comes down, and he gets it, and he rips it away from that guy, and he keeps running, and I'm like... I see Wiley Coyotes off the cliff, like, oh, no, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> and and it's just, it, that was the moment where I was just like, I can predict anything it's gonna, good is going to happen to this team, and it, it will just happen. That was the moment where I was just like, this is going to happen for us. I, and from that moment on... I even when we were struggling a little bit in the middle of the championship game, I was like, "We're going to win this. Chip. We're going to win this." Dave, well, both kind of stepped on stuff, but 
Just there's so but, many. This is like so. Weird. It's kind of like a, a two parter. All right, like, I'm going to do another round of this so you guys can stop. We can do it. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like the the most encompassing moment for this team was Blake's touchdown against Ohio State because it's he throws up the six five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're like. He doesn't care that he scored against Ohio State, and he doesn't care that you know they took the lead and reversed all where that game was starting to get away just a little bit. He thought of Zach Zinner because that's who this team is. Is it's about somebody else, which leads me to my next point is like you know when that when the clock was running down, as Susan Moore picked it off, like I got to watch a game with my mom, and I grabbed her arm and I was like, okay, we're going, and like. You know, my mom's always been really good for me in a lot of ways, and was she'd always played football with me and my friends and that sort of thing. But I was like, you know, she's getting older, and, like, she's not going to want to rush the field. But she just, like, was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and so we did. And I, like, pulled her. I just grabbed her wrist, and we worked our way down from row 89, helped her over the fence, and, she, you know, jumped down the field. And she's jumping around and screaming. And I was just like, this is – I just I, – I, I got her – finally was able to get her ticket to the 19 game which we already discussed, and that sucked. And I was like, I, I got a shot one more time in 23, and we made it on the field. Took a bunch of pictures, and it was, like, for a personal point, connecting to a team in a big win, it just kind of all came together. Uh, for me, I'm going to go back to the Penn State game. And the third and 11 Donovan Edwards touchdown, where he just squeezes out the back and, like, <laughs> and, and like Chop Robinson is 12 yards up the field. <laughs> Because that game starts out, it's like your first game against real competition. Yeah. yeah. And the first couple offensive drives, you're like, we're going to lose this game because they're going to crush J.J. McCarthy's soul into a little box. Yeah. By, like, play two. (laughs) And, like, Harbaugh just got suspended, Mm -hmm. and you're like, it's all going wrong. This is not how anything is supposed to happen. And then they just keep running the ball. And Manny (laughs) Diaz is like, you you can't do that. That's not legal. And that play on third and 11 in the red zone where Sharon Moore is like, all right, we're going to try this. <laughs> and it just, it's, it's not even hard. Yeah. Like, there's just four guys who are just like, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. And then Manny Diaz is like, surely they won't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also like, it's, it's a pivotal point in the season. Mm-hmm. Michigan is able to run like 35 straight times in the second half, sort of, and, and go and win a game against a top 10 opponent against a defense that finished like, fourth in SP plus it's also very funny it's like the yeah. funniest moment of the season and it's also very important all right we're going again we're going around again all right alex okay wait second fa- yes okay because <laughs> you guys were like oh there's only four no there's like a there's like a no zilly. i wasn't saying there's only four i was saying like i was preparing to talk about right. one okay right and then i had to like okay this is a deep yeah. cut good but might have been the loudest that i was about any play and it was the Alex Orgy touchdown against Michigan State with like two seconds <laughs> because they called that penalty. Remember this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and it was just like. It was he's, after he's a the, cheap shot. Yeah, he's yeah. at the, like the five, he's at the three, he's grinding through tackles, and you know if he gets stopped, they're not going to score the touchdown. It's like, yes! Yes! <laughs> I, I'm, I'm officially now making this the fun round. Okay. Because Mike Samerstill's pick against Rutgers, where he almost gets oh, tackled yeah. by his own teammate. Yeah, and like I was like, oh, good, good pass breakup, but then all yeah. of a sudden, like, like everybody is like, oh, that was incomplete. Oh, well, too oh, bad. Right, and all of a sudden, Sanders is like, nope. He does a he does a backflip over his own teammate, and then I, it was Barrett who who's like almost tackled him. I think I thought it was Colson, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and then he's running, and then 
out of nowhere as a lead blocker comes oh, yes. Kenneth Grant. <laughs> Yes. Who knocks down Tagovailoa is like not you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had some we had some Kenneth Grant Grant Motors yeah plays in this season. Well, building on that, like his interception against Nebraska, where he goes up and high points the ball, <laughs> which then reminded me of I have to tie that one to the Roman Wilson touchdown against Nebraska where he catches it on the guy on the other guy's oh, face mask yeah, in that's... front of him and so you just have like two of the probably more improbable catches that you'll get in the entire year and I mean and not even just from a great throw and catch but just like that was the Wilson saving that pass into the wind I believe that was and mm-hmm. then I don't know maybe Michigan's in a weird way, most fun defensive tackle <laughs> going up and plucking a ball. Because remember we came into the podcast like the next day and we're all doing these things of what positions will Ken- Kenneth Grant play oh, yeah. for right. the rest of the year. Right. Line him up at tight end, play him at fullback, spread him out well, and get a matchup against and the, then there was the 5'11 the, corner. Like he ran down Catron Allen in the best <laughs> Yeah. Game. Like what is this? What is this man it's made like of? Fred Flintstone yeah. legs of propelling his little I, cart. I want to point out quickly before you go here and finish this round that Patrick and I played this game after the championship game. We sat, we we opened, crapped open a beer in the hotel room and just kind of went back and forth, going, "You remember this play? You remember yeah. this play?" Well, and I don't think we mentioned most of the plays we've talked about just now. So there's there are many. Well, we haven't mentioned Blake Corm's touchdown in overtime of the Rose Bowl, and I'm gonna. Which is like we got to go to that the, it's all of our favorites. Well, we got to, we got to go, and I was just like, yeah. people are kind of wandering around the field, and I just I just walked down, and I was like, okay, here here he goes, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I have to teleport two yards over here. I can't do that, <laughs> so I'm just gonna walk it. And like as a capper to Blake's career, like I don't know which one's the best run, but one of them happened in the Rose Bowl. All right, round three, go. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll scoop up the easy one that hasn't been said, but the Jalen Milrow stopped on fourth down. I mean, I mean that that one I think kind of falls down the list because it's some it's a little bit about Alabama not having a guy who can snap the ball who then transfers to Ohio State hilariously. Didn't but make that, it feel that, any different. That goes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, when you said that you screamed the loudest for that orgy touchdown, that's probably when I like just screamed the most incoherently. Is yeah. like because I was I was sitting with. Craig and Sue and we just were all in this like sort of triangle hug and I just like kind of buried my head and just screamed like it wasn't even just at something I I texted you one more stop right before that play and you sent back most vulgar text I've ever gotten (laughs) (laughs) oh boy wow I I might have sent one of those to a few different people uh, in the I said we're gonna we might win a blanking national no I said we're gonna win an effing national championship after uh after I think it was the the last Blake touchdown, but well, you know it's like BoJack Horseman. You can get a one f bomb per national championship on the go. podcast if you want. Mm. Seth, save I'll save those for my text. I'm going back to a, a play in the Purdue game. Okay, and I mean this was in the uh, the, the let's have fun passing moment of the season, mm. but it was uh, they were running this motion out there where. They they ran it one time and like the cornerback like freaked out, but then the second time uh, Wilson's kind of lagging as he's as he's running across the formation. The cornerback's like, okay, good, they're just going to run it this time. Thank God, I don't have to chase this guy around in man coverage because you know Purdue calls the same man coverage yeah. every single play. And then all of a sudden Wilson starts bolting in the middle of his motion, and the cornerback's just like, oh shit! He starts running as fast as he can. The ball snaps. 
Wilson turns the opposite direction, and this cornerback is just dead. Yeah. And they, it ends up being like a good old yo-yo. Yo-yo, 15-yard pass that goes for another 30 yards of running. <clears throat> and it was just just the, that, that simple moment of like the cornerback going, oh, shit, with Roman Wilson. It was just like, this is, this is such a fun team to watch. Dave. My mind is just spinning, so. I'll take it if you want a, a moment. Yeah. I also want to go back to the Nebraska game. <clears throat> because there's that interception against Bowling Green where he's rolling out kind of a, a, across his body. And just he, thought of that one. He throws it up to Loveland, and he overthrows it, and everyone's like, you can't throw that. And I'm like, no, you shoot your shot, baby. Mm-hmm. And in that Nebraska game, he's again rolling out away from his throwing arm, and he's twisting his body, and he's all of a sudden like, all right, I got this. And he throws a frozen rope to Roman Wilson in the back of the end zone, and that's when you're like, man, this guy's got some juice. And in terms of like out-of-pocket playmaking, I don't know if I've seen – Something like that from a Michigan quarterback in a long time. Maybe since Jim Harbaugh, who I didn't actually see live because I was five. Dave! I think it was like the second play of the Minnesota game when he just throws it to a wide-open Will Johnson and he returns it for a touchdown. And it was just kind of like... Like, you just don't really see games start that way. No. It's kind of like, you know, the inverse of... The, the play that J.J. gets back in the Rose Bowl, right? Like, he throws that interception, and just, like, like when that happened, you're just, like, gutted because you're like, oh, no. We're going to five by This is and, an impromptu gimmicky top five. Yeah. Isn't, isn't like, like, this whole game that they've been waiting for, we're promising to get back to the playoffs, and it just falls out of you because of one play, and it's not over because it's, you know, in your head. But, like, Michigan gets that. They get a free touchdown on the first play of the game, and then they're always going to beat Minnesota. But I just, I think we were watching it, Alex, yeah. right? And we just started laughing because you're just, like, here we are. <laughs> like we just get handed a free touchdown to start the game. It was a little bit like that Maryland, uh, the kickoff, the, the bonk off his forehead, off the forehead yeah. last year. Where you're just like, oh, it's seven seconds into hi, the game and you have hi, a touchdown. Hi, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex, some good ones hanging out there. Yeah, I'm trying to. All right, if you don't have one, do you have one, Seth? Yeah, I got one. Go. I got one. Minnesota again. I didn't do Minnesota yet. Well, he just did Minnesota. Okay. Well. Yeah, but no, no, no. That's fine. Like, these are games that are probably going to be forgotten. These are the moments we want to bring out. Honestly, I don't remember anything that's happened in the Minnesota game. You're like, this is the point. You'll remember this one. Yeah. You'll remember this one. Because we were so annoyed at the beginning of the season. Like, the only thing that worked against our defense, the only thing, was those dinky passes underneath cover three all the time because we kept on playing our cornerbacks off. Mm-hmm. And mm. we're just like, oh, okay, they're dinking us again. Oh, they're dinking us again. <clears throat> and then they go to dink us again. And what happens? We actually don't run that play for the first time, and Will Johnson just casually steps in, mm. takes the ball away, runs it in, and it's like, guess what? It's another blowout city. Dave. Um, all right, this isn't a moment, but how two head coaches should have gotten a victory against UNLV <laughs> because they were both coaching a half, and I don't know that I've ever seen a game where Michigan's had two head coaches in the same game. All right, I'm going to go with uh, J.J.'s throw over Cal Halliday to <laughs> the Michigan State game. That was gorgeous. In part, just because I love saying Cal Halliday is slow. <laughs> you you were very proud of this take for a long time. I mean, he's so slow. If he wore gloves, would he be faster? No. Okay. Yeah, because that would weigh him down even more. But so, I mean, those that game had a couple of, like, the craziest J.J. passes I have seen in a minute. And that one, there was that one, and then there was the one – to Loveland where he's just turning around Angelo Gross 
where he knows that the guy is going to have to – and Loveland's ride on that one is great too. So both of those throws against Michigan State. I know that's just kind of beating up a baby seal, but, you know, it's wearing green and white. Let's do it. Alex, we're going back to you for number four. So I, do I get double dip here for him? If you want. Okay, I got two from the Iowa game. Okay. First one's the layup, the Samaj. Yeah. Turn. Okay. Sure. okay but that one off the board. That, that one also, you have to mention the fact that he got interviewed after the game, and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, yeah. so what did, what did Jim Harbaugh say to you? He's like, great job, kid. <laughs> 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 I probably watched that ten times. <laughs> the other perk of that return that we should note is that like it basically ended the game because they score a touchdown right after it's 10 nothing yeah. it's over but the second part is the same still forced fumble that jenkins recovers that brian ferentz loses his mind about well, it, no 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 the one oh the other one, the one where they're driving right, yeah, if yeah. he doesn't do that yeah. they might get a field goal on us mm. and we don't get the shutout you have to shut out iowa yes you, you, you can't be the best defense arguably in michigan history not shut out iowa so <laughs> that just was just a rite of passage <laughs> that yeah. was a secretly big play all right, Seth. Oh, God, we're, we're on six? No, th- this is five. No, five was my – my fifth was Minnesota, I no, thought. We're on, no, this is five. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right, Dave. I mean, Will Johnson beating Marvin Harrison. Uh, that was going to be mine. <laughs> and just taking the ball. Because oh, yeah, that, that was another point, too, where, like, both teams go three and out, three and out. And yeah. you're like, oh, this – isn't what I thought was going to happen today. And then he, like, makes the play against their best player that they have to go through. And it's really not against him, right? I mean, he beats Kyle McCord. But he gets inside of Harrison, and there's just sort of like an aura about it that's like, okay, this is the guy, the Maserati Marv, that we've heard about all year, and Will Johnson's like, hey, you ever seen the number two on a DB's jersey? Well, also, the... uh the previous week against Maryland, that backside glance RPO was really annoying. <laughs> like, they, they hit that probably for a total of 60 yards on four different occasions. So it looks like a big vulnerability in Minter's defense. And the first time Ohio State runs it, it's like, <laughs> uh, nope. Sorry, bud. So that was good. Seth? Yeah. I'm going back to a Penn State run. Not okay. the Edwards run. It's the one where they just go absolutely mammoth massive. Oh, yeah. And... Like, Penn State, I, I'd written up beforehand, like, here's how Penn State plays their this defense. Is, was this the duo where yeah, Corum pops outside? Yeah, where Corum pops outside. Yeah. Where, like, because the way they play is, like, spike, spike, spike. It's a cascading situation. So Michigan just decides to add eight more spikes on top of it until, like, Penn State is just like, we're going to screw up one of these. And then, finally, there's just nobody else. And the, the sheer... Audacity! You love the the Edwards run. It's like okay, let's try this on third and eleven. But like that's, that feels a little stupid too to do it. No. But this one was just the this is going to work because this is how Penn State's defense works, and they're going to fall for this completely. And and they do, and it's just you're dead. You're 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 you can't you can't defend this. We can add linemen all day. I loved it. So uh, we're approaching the end of this. Uh, Nineteen plays have been mentioned. And we haven't picked one from the national championship game. So I'm going to go with the first Edwards <laughs> touchdown because I was I saw that develop <laughs> before Donovan Edwards did. <laughs> and so did everybody in my section. They're like, it's outside, go outside. And he runs up the middle and is like, no, it's outside. And Donovan's like, all right, it's outside. Okay, guys. And, he gets a, and then it's a touchdown. And you're like, we're going to win the national championship. And we, we did. Kind of were at that point because yeah. you're like, when well, also, Michigan gets out to a lead in these games. Well, also, it's like this is what we 
said going into this game is that this rush defense can't handle Michigan. And for that to be very apparent, I mean, it was second 14, right? Like, yeah. It was like. Well, Michigan didn't run any scripted stuff on that drive. They're just like, just we're running. doing our stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and, like, and the oh. other one's like, just like, okay, we put a bunch of blockers on and we ran duo. Can you deal with that? No, no. sir. No. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's bring it home. How do you guys, like, just in a couple sentences, how do you feel? Alex. Um, I would say that it is pretty s- surreal in some ways because, you know, I never really thought that it would get here, that you could win a national championship. I mean, maybe in the early Harbaugh days I did, but you just see that Georgia game from a few years ago, and there just was always kind of this assumption of sort of we don't have – the kinds of animals, you know, like just these like crazy Jordan yeah. Davis types. You, you know? watch like, that entire defense. You're yeah. like, who's going to score on this? You know, and I, I, it just never seemed totally feasible. And like I remember for the preseason show, the third podcast, right at the end, I was the one that brought up national championship. We talked about it, and I was still like, yeah, yeah, we're the only team with like a returning quarterback. Maybe that could be a big deal. But I just – I never really thought it could happen until – once they really beat Alabama. And then that next week it was like, and this could actually happen. And I was super stressed about it, and then it did. And I'm now gonna, it's like. I'm going to hate myself for asking this question. How old were you in 1997? I was not alive. <laughs> negative two. Yeah, negative two. It's Al- my turn to throw the pen. <laughs> Alex, you're fired. <laughs> for being too young. I will, I will rehire you in the near future. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Seth. Oh, man. Um. Like, like Alex said, it's just you know there was a long time we thought this could never happen. But you know, I just been a Michigan fan so long. I've been going to Michigan games. So many people. I started going to Michigan games with my dad many, many, many years ago. Before I can, apparently, I saw Jim Harbaugh. I don't remember it either. Mm. And you know, I I got to go to games with I got to go to the Ohio State game with Jamie McMillan um, after he had a major medical scare. I got to go to a game with my son. After we almost lost him this summer, I got to go to the Rose Bowl in the national championship with the Sklar brothers. Which one of these things is not like <laughs> Or not like my six-year-old son at all. Uh, well, a little bit. Maybe in some ways. A little bit. A little bit. Um, I get to be in this room with you guys talking about this and... Meet all these Michigan fans that came up to me over the last couple of weeks and said this means so much to them. I really wish my dad was here for this. I watched so many games about that I don't remember with him. But I'm so glad to have all of you people. I'm so glad to have you, Brighton. I'm so glad to have you, Alex. I'm so glad to have you, David. The hugs we had after this game meant so much to me. And... All of you out there, that we got this. This means as much as it feels. Thank you. You got us tearing up, bud. <laughs> Let it go second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Dave. Oh, I'll go now. I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta help so, me out here. I mean, obviously, I was really excited, and you know, we've all said it. We've said it for years. We've said the negative things partially because we always wanted the positive thing to happen. And so when that does happen, you're just sort of overcome with joy and elation to a level that, like, this is 
what it's all about. So they're combined with that, though, especially this year, is, you know, a sense of relief, too, because, you know, this was the year they're supposed to beat Ohio State. The last two years, first year they weren't, second year, you know, had one in Columbus and they weren't even favorite. This was the year they were supposed to, and they did. And then they match up Alabama and you get, again, slight favorite. There's things to exploit. They're supposed to beat them, and they do. And then they're a larger favorite against Washington. And I was pretty confident going into the game. I said, you know, people asked me if I was nervous. And I said, no, I think we're going to win this game. And, you know, it got a little tense for a little while. But then when Blake takes us home, and then that's not enough for him. He has to take us home again. And then you get a stop and you're like, it really sets in. There's like a level of relief because we spend a long time looking at this stuff, spending our free time, spending you know, time that a lot of people do other things in life, and, and this is what we do. And to finally get to that point where, you know, I just was walking through the airport, and I hadn't slept the night before because my flight was so early. And it's like, it's on sports centers. I'm passing bars at, you know, 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning, and people are gathered around to look at the highlights. And I'm, and I'm wearing my Michigan shirt, and people are like, oh, did you go to the game? And I'm like, yeah, I went to the game. <laughs> I'm in, a, I'm in the airport. No, right I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I went to the and game. And <laughs> it's like it's our turn. You know, yeah. you you sit there and you watch Alabama win all these titles, and then Clemson figures it out, and you're like, man, if Clemson can do it, you know, and and they came from literally almost nothing. They weren't a program 20, 30, 40 years ago. They had a couple of years, and then Georgia gets in and looks even better than Alabama, and you're like, and then you start looking at the playoff, and it's not a four team anymore. Now we got to win four of these, three of them for sure, but four of these, like. Like we talk about, Michigan isn't – they don't have the players, like the recruiting depth to just kind of out-athlete guys. They have to do it a certain way, and they did it, and they did it their way, and this is the year it had to be done in the way that it was done, and it happened. Like we started this podcast with like storybook stuff, and like how many movies, TV shows, books have you read and watched that when everything finally clicks in the end, you're just so – happy but relieved at the same time. And now I know, you know, Michigan can go 8 and 4 next year because somebody gets hurt, because somebody leaves the program because anything happens and they can struggle for a couple more years. But now I can look back and be like, yeah, I was in Houston. Hmm. I was in LA. I was in Michigan Stadium when Rod Moore made that catch and we got one big trophy to prove it. Um <clears throat> so I started this blog in 2004, and I was working for a software company. I had graduated for a computer engineering degree at the University of Michigan, and then I went back and got a master's degree. And my thought process was at the time is that I was going to do this for five years and then find something else to do, which my dad might not be that happy to hear because he paid for my grad school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just – I had a couple of things in the fire – and I was trying to do some goofy magazine with my friend, and it just never really worked out. And I realized that uh, when people started talking to me about Michigan football, uh, their eyes glazed over because I would just start talking and not stop. So, you know, I was technical enough of a person to know what a blog was fairly early. Um, and I was bored at work, so I started a blog. It was on Blogspot. Uh, at the time, I had fallen on my girlfriend's uh, sidewalk because it was icy. And so I was learning HTML and putting together the first edition of the blog. And I was, like, looking for other people. And there was this girl 
uh, who might have been in middle school, who was also on Blogspot, and her blog was very, very pink, but she was talking about college football. She stopped because she was in middle school. But when the horror happened, I made the the blog a very pink thing with cats on it because it's probably because of her. And then the other person who was very early, who was not Heisman Pundit, was uh, Spencer Hall of Every Day Should Be Saturday. And (laughs) I realized this year (laughs) that um, uh, when I write the story, uh, Spencer's in like three quarters of one. (laughs) 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 Um, But like uh, I uh, I started this blog and for uh, a good few years, there were just tons of them. Um, there was Joey Littman and, and Johnny Soward and uh, the Wolverine Liberation Army, which was an offshoot from our site when we went away from Halo Scan. And there were a bunch of college football, like Jerry Hennon had an Auburn blog, and there was, um, uh, what was it called? It was called the Hawkeye Compulsion. Um, but like Patrick Vint and um, Adam Jacoby, um, who are now running a rival site, which is amazing. Well, Adam is a Patrick, I think, is a lawyer. But it, it there was a moment like SB Nation came up, and I thought that there were going to be fifty different MGO blogs for a bunch of different sites, and I was disappointed that that didn't come to fruition. But it it makes what we've built more special. Um, and before the game, you know, I tweeted out that. Uh, sorry. I tweeted out that uh, this is the only university in the world that could have an MGO blog that can have a diary section every week where I go in and there's Bronx Blue who's been posting best and worst for like 10 years and is amazing. And there's some more intermittent guys. There's um, LSA Class of 2000 who does the um, <laughs> who tracks the shits and fucks and the, uh, <laughs> the game threats. And there's a guy who just is clearly some sort of history major and it's just Michigan war dadding all over the place. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, but <clears throat> at the beginning of the season, there was some, some guy who, um, <laughs> uh, who wrote a poem about balsamic vinegar. And someone checked his username and found out that like 11 years ago, this guy had put a different poem about balsamic vinegar on this site. And at the end of it, he said, let's name some wild dreams. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to get this right. He said, where wild dreams are named. <laughs> and that's good. Like, it's evocative. And it's weird. And it's very specific to this one guy. And I feel like our site does that. You know? <clears throat> like, um, after the game... I've met a lot of people who who said the site meant a lot to them. And I mentioned this after the Rose Bowl is that it felt different. It felt like, you know, I get people coming up to me and saying thanks a lot. And I appreciate that. But at the Rose Bowl, it had a different tenor. And there's this one guy who came up um, and... He talked to me for a long time, and I'm sorry if I kind of pushed him off a little bit at the end, but there was a line forming. I had to go talk to other people a little bit. <laughs> um, um, 
But, you know, one of the things he mentioned is that MGO blog was important to him not just because he loved Michigan football, but because um, he had gone through something similar with his family. And I didn't... Uh, he wasn't specific, but, you know, the implication was that he got divorced. And I talked about that publicly, mostly because I had to, because I had talked about my now ex-wife in the, uh, on the site somewhat frequently. And I don't want to make myself out to be like a guy who is doing something noble or anything, but at times doing this has been very heavy. I remember the 20,000, um, shit, 20,000. What the fuck am I saying? I remember under lights and Michigan is playing like absolute garbage. It's 24 to seven at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I am sort of like the avatar of Michigan fandom, even at that point, I guess 2011. And I've expressed a lot of opinions and there are a lot of rival fans and I'm just looking at my phone and I do not want to check Twitter because there is going to be hooting. And I just feel like sort of infinitely exposed as, you know, the avatar of Michigan fandom. And my mistakes in my marriage are mine, but the psychic pall that Michigan football sort of cast when you have to talk about it every week. You can't just turn it off and go mow the lawn. Contributed. <clears throat> and I was embittered. Um, and that's part of why I was so goddamn annoying in 2021. And that's why I apologize about that. <clears throat> and I wouldn't, if I had to do it all over, I wouldn't do it all over. But not a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people get to hear that what they do for their job makes a positive impact in other people's lives. Uh, and uh, that's what I heard over and over. At the Rose Bowl, at the National Championship game, and afterwards. Uh, and, you know, nothing's ever going to be fixed. Nothing gets fixed when you're only seeing your kids half the time. But... I'm glad that uh, that we could all have this experience together. And I know I know everybody laughed when uh, Seth pivoted from his deathly ill son to the Sklar brothers. Um, but I love those guys. And we got to meet them through this site. And what we have created, not just us in this room, not just... Heiko and Tim Sullivan and Paul Nelson and Ace and Ace and Bender and uh, Patrick Barron, Brian Fuller, Eric Upchurch. Uh, I've already mentioned Bronx and Ellison A and uh, Stephen King. Not that one. <laughs> um, uh, you know the commenters. Most of them. Some of them. Uh, Brian McKenzie, God, uh, Raj, Jesus, uh, brilliant writers. I mean, the the thing that sets our site apart is that everybody who writes on the site is fucking brilliant. Um, uh, and we've had some, uh, like, Tom Van Heron, uh, Brandon Brown. Like, everybody just loved Michigan and wanted to make it work. And wanted to make it work for us. I mean, Craig, Jesus Christ, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. 
just realized I'm doing Sharon from after the Penn State game. <laughs> <laughs> I started it. Well, <laughs> well yeah, sorry. I mean, <laughs> that's where we are. That's where we are. This was going to mean, uh, yeah, uh, Mark Gregor, a Camperdone, of course, a brilliant photographer, Alex Cook. <sighs> just, just so many people who have helped us out and wanted to contribute. Um, David Wilcombs, uh, Matt D of Endless Motor, uh, just, uh, this was going to be special for everybody, uh, no matter what their relationship was to the blog or Michigan football. Uh, Anthony Ciotti, who's now, uh, too big for us because he actually works for the hockey team. <laughs> uh, Adam Schnepp, um, like, it's dozens and dozens of people, and hundreds and thousands once you get to the to, to the wider view and i want to thank every every single one of them for making this possible for i'm going to put my th kids through college on this and so is seth and dave's gonna buy some more legos <laughs> um someone has to take care of craig <laughs> <laughs> and not only to be able to make a living but to be able to not compromise you know like the sites that survived aren't what we are. Like, mm -hmm. Seth posted an obituary for his father on our site. <laughs> and I'm glad he did. And you posted an obituary for Teddy. I posted an obituary for Teddy on our site. I posted an obituary for Paul Zimmerman. Like, <laughs> David Foster Wallace. Like, I get to do what I want to do, and people support us because of it. Um people have forgiven me for never posting an Ohio State UFR until we started winning. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're waiting on Iowa. No. Alabama All right. and Washington. Alabama and Washington will happen first because nobody gives a shit about the Iowa. <laughs> but they're going to happen, I promise you. Uh, but to be in this position, to be someone whose name is known, someone who, like, w all of us, when we were in that lobby, were, we felt... Like, all of that effort was worth it. It was a capper. And the privilege it has been to be myself for all of you um, has gotten me through some very difficult times. And I know that everybody here wants to thank all of you for not quitting and going and being a Manchester United fan. City, <laughs> I guess. Manchester City fan. Um, and so... I hope it felt as good for all of you as it felt for us. And with that, I want to say thank you to Brian. What? On behalf of all of us. You've done all your thank yous, but we have to do ours. And I'm in a different position being a lot younger. Uh, that David and Seth started reading a lot earlier. And How old were you when the site started? Like five. Don't answer that. Wait, <laughs> I'm picking my, I got my pen back. Don't answer I that. I got... I'm ready. All right, I'm going to hire you again. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I was five when it started. And <laughs> Did you hit him? I got him. Good. <laughs> and, you know, it. I didn't start reading for quite a long time because I was more... Because you couldn't read. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I actually could read. He probably could. He was probably reading when he, he, he. I won't even say probably. He was like, reading when he was. When three. I was three, I was reading the roster. But yeah. uh, no, but I, you know, I, I had a Michigan family. My dad also is an MSU grad, so I was more of an MSU fan for a lot of years. 
when it was <laughs> when it was better to be an MSU fan in particular. Mm. But you know, then um, when I came to Michigan, that was when I was like, okay, this is this is what it is, and I wanted something to start reading. And you know, I had read different SB Nation blogs for pro teams I liked, and I had started writing in part when I first read Bill Simmons stuff, and that was an early inspiration for me. And finding MGO blog and starting to read it, um, I, it, you know, it was it was Bill Simmons caliber stuff from Bill Simmons peak, but also with immense technical knowledge that Bill never had, and that was a really unique thing to see crafted together. And so, you know, I started reading pretty religiously as a freshman. I remember, you know, refreshing in between classes like the first few weeks of school to see whatever, like, oh, special teams UFR as posted. I don't care about this. <laughs> Adam, but, Adam, yeah. Adam, I asked Adam to do that. short-lived. But um, We tried. I, I always feel like I want to go back to it, too. I just... <laughs> but, uh, and, yeah, I mean, in listening to the podcast and all that sort of stuff, and... Uh, you know, to to some degree, Brian wasn't just the encapsulation of the fan base, but also sort of a folk hero to me. And I, you know, and then when I got the chance to first work on MGO Radio, it was like, wow. Like, I <laughs> actually meet these guys. Like, you know, I was the fan, the no. true fan mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, that perspective. And it was and, then the disappointment started. <laughs> and um, then getting to be a part of this in various capacities and see it up close has been very cool. But the the truth is that your work has mattered and it has mattered to me and it's mattered to Seth and David and all the rest of us and still getting to read the game column and all those sorts of things, the season preview, you know, those are things that we all enjoy. And then I, you know, my case, I try to learn from and be inspired by all the time. And, um, one of the coolest things leading into Monday night was seeing all the people post sort of in a manner recognizing that this was the end of a sort of journey in their Michigan fandom and uh, that Andy Reid fellow had his 30-some post. That was Michigan more than 30. Football <laughs> I, memories I thread. I mean, that was really, really cool. And tell. it seemed like a bit of a universal experience. And I had a journey of sorts in, along this way and uh, all that sort of stuff. But Definitely the person that I thought of the most with the journey was Brian, that nobody bared the brunt of the worst days uh, more, and uh, nobody put in the work to deserve it more, and nobody uh, should enjoy it more. And I, I think Blake Corum might have a dispute there. I mean, how old <laughs> yeah, was Blake Corum when you started the site? Yeah, but he was still lifting, <laughs> even at that I mean, everyone. Three rattles a yeah, hand. Yeah. Everyone comes up. You know, we we met so many people the last couple of weeks at the Rose Bowl and at the national championship, and and everyone who came up to me, and you know, sometimes you're still on a plane or something, and I'm you know going around representing MGO Blog as your stead, and everyone's always telling me the moment that they found MGO Blog, you know, and, and it's it's always something. It it, it could be like, oh, I was there from the Halo Scan days, or I, you know, I mean, my my own was I. The Big Ten and the uh, and big, the Big Ten Network was trying to get on Comcast, and so we didn't have the game. So I had to go to the bar to watch the game, and I'm all pissed off. And 
my friend is like, have you, my friend meets me at the bar because like he's got the same problem. He's like, oh, have you read the site MGO blog? And I was like, no. He's like, well, he, he made it all pink and put kittens on it when we lost App State <laughs> last week. And I go, okay, I've got to check this out. That, cause every, but everyone's got that moment. And mm. it's funny because everyone's got a different piece. A lot of them say have 11 swans, but a lot of them have a piece that you wrote. And, and then a lot of them ask me the same question. Who is Brian? Like, who, what, who is this guy? And I, I'm like, you don't understand. Read them go blog. That's, he puts himself in there, and that's why he's, he, he's you. He needs to know. And he's me. I need to make this make sense to me before I can move on with my life because that's what Michigan football is to me. I, I need it to make sense before I can go and do the next thing. And he's, you've got such an incredible mind and such an incredible ability to write and just capture your feelings, which happen to be all of our feelings too. And, you know, you, I, I, well, you and I have had this conversation many times before. Like, why aren't there MGO blogs for Penn State and, and Ohio State has their thing going on? And why, why, why doesn't every single pro team have an MGO blog? And I, it, maybe it's just they don't have a Brian. Maybe that's... Cause Brian it's not went, just the fans. Because Brian went to Michigan. That's why. Yeah. So that's who Brian is. Go read, go read the site. Thank you, guys. Thank you for giving us a shot. Well, hire, Seth hired himself. So <laughs> well, good job for Seth. <laughs> Seth was just like, now I'm part of this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Was like, but you approached me, and you were like, I got some side work for you. Yeah. If you're interested. And then you're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm you like, said oh, that you needed somebody who could make people do things <laughs> and still be nice at the same time. Yeah. And like I started in summer 2014. God, and, has it been that long? Yeah. I mean, and that was, and <sighs> like the cool thing that I always tell people about you, I mean, there's, there's always ups and downs any place that you are, but the cool thing is like, you give people a chance. You don't micromanage. Which, which, <laughs> which maybe you should a little more. It's true. So that everybody can know. I think, I think the, you could have left the word micro. Out of that. But if someone has an idea, you know, because like, you know, I, I've talked through a bunch of people that have started here. I mean, Alex being one of the more recent and, and Peter, I mean, he's still learning how to, how to deal with that kind of stuff. But like Patrick as well, who has wanted to get into different things. And there was one time he was writing previews for, I don't even remember what site, but I was reading it and it looked like your preview because those are the previews that he wrote. And yeah. I was like super like excited for him and for that kind of opportunity. But people want to learn how to do stuff and people want an ability to do or a place to do things. And you let people do that. Like I wanted to get to do some hockey things because there wasn't anything. And I said, I'm going to start tracking odd man rushes. And you're like, well, good, because that's why we've given up all our goals this year. And that's sort of what like got me into it. And like, I'm not a hockey guy. I don't know anything more than anyone else. Know. But I learned it because it, there was an opening and we would get frustrated watching games. Like the way you got, you know, had to put your thoughts on paper after the Rose Bowl in 2004 or whatever it was. Mm. And so then, but you let people have a go at things. And I probably sucked for the first year or two because I was doing diaries and I couldn't even get them on the front page, but I stuck with it and you kept, you stayed with me. Like you stayed with Seth, like you stayed with Alex, like you stayed with everybody else that has come and gone and, and moved on to other things. And that's okay because 
this isn't a place for everybody in the world, but it's certainly a great launching point for a lot of people. And you can make mistakes here as long as you sort of fix them. And to kind of encapsulate, it's like Harbaugh, right? Like you're going and you got something. Did and I then, say and then, and then you, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Early. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> and then you pivot to something and you're like, okay, well, we got to do this. And then or there's a hole here. Okay, now we got to do this. And that's what Harbaugh did, and it won him a national championship. And kind of what you're describing as somebody who came from one place and built something and is starting to – I mean, it was right in the revolution of newspapers to blogs. And it used to be that you'd read certain publications. And now if you want to know what happened, when it happened, and probably the most importantly, what Seth said, what Alex and I talk about is why it happened – and it doesn't even have to be 100% true because – but it has to – try to be. But it – but what if, it, you're, if it's not, it's going to – But you're never going to know. And that's – but that's know. the thing yeah. about sports is yeah. you never really know. So – but you can give somebody who's had a rough weekend and then the Michigan game and, you know, thankfully we haven't had to deal with a lot of losses lately. But some understanding as to why this or that happened. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But it allows people to go on with their day, with their week – with their year to come to close. Well, this is why we weren't good enough this year, but maybe next year. And they come back and just that you've done that for sports of something that people take probably a little too seriously. Most people in this room, definitely the people in this room. Yeah. But it's also what transitions us back into life. And, you know, you said Seth's going to be able to put his kids through college and Alex is going to have a real job for the first time. And, Apparently, I'm going to buy Legos. So. Well, whatever you want to do, you know? It's like, I'm not going to make you. <laughs> no, but it – and you've worked with me, man, because, like, I have another job. And, like, it's hard because you guys can plan and do things when you want. And, you know, I had to leave work early and, you know, my boss doesn't know. I mean, she probably knows, but she doesn't now, know because – Now she knows. I have to – Four hours into a podcast. That would be so great. If she's listening to this podcast, I appreciate everything you've done for me. My, she gets my this boss. deep. Yeah, Jeez. I told you to call in champion. <laughs> so, like, it's not just that you're changing readers' lives, but you're changing people's careers' lives, too. And maybe it will happen for me or not, but it's certainly happening for Alex because you found a gem in Alex who is unbelievable and is learning to do everything. And Seth has pivoted through I don't know how many different positions here and been able to take on how many different pieces and go from one thing to another. And you took him from one place and now he's, you know, a lot of ways running things here when, when you're not. And like, this, it's not like when I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> well, but yes. there, but there are certain things that you decide and then there's certain things. Well, yeah, that exactly. does. And yeah. I mean, I'm and the, so you get to be the executive producer. Well, that's an important role. And, and, and what, all I'm, right. what I'm saying, okay. anyway, all right. We're gonna. We're threatening to make myself even more arrogant than I currently am. Well, guess what? We're national champions. That's we get right. to be as arrogant as we want. Yes, it is the era of the arrogant ass. <laughs> we would like to thank you all for listening. We would like to thank you all for making this all possible. And I want everyone to enjoy every second of Ohio State message boards for the next six months. Go blue.
Thank you for listening to the Evgo Podcast. I am Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak and Alex Drain and all of you. We would sit here forever mentioning your name, so I'm just going to mention one more. Ruth Maynard, thank you for the plum cakes.